They lay dormant for years, waiting for the chance to appear once again. Now they're back, and they'll find you no matter where you try to hide. And only a team of dedicated professionals can stop them. We need someone, an expert, to eliminate these creatures, to go grab oil. This time, they're prepared. Preparing to fire. Smoked his ass. Doing what I can with what I got. This time, they're motivated. 50,000 for each grappling. You've got to do This time, they're one step ahead. Get off the ground! There's only one problem. This time, the worms have turned. Something's wrong with our worm, Earl. It's a whole new ball game. A whole new goddamn ball game. The worms changed somehow. Now we've got these things. This way! I am completely out of ammo. They wrecked your car. The radio tower. How can I be so smart? We're like sick and guts here. Come get me, you suckers. You hungry? If I can just get to your truck, I can grab some bombs. Tremors 2. Aftershocks, starring Fred Ward, Michael Gross, Christopher Garton, and Helen Shaver. Tailworms never cut you any slack. Just a heads up, we've got spoilers in this episode for, of course, Tremors 2, also Krampus, Slither, Stranger Things 4. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 6 of Small Screeners, where we look back at direct-to-video and made-for-TV movies. I'm... Chris, I've got AJ here with me as usual. Say hello, AJ. Hello, AJ. What's up, y'all? And today we're going to discuss a Tremors 2 Aftershocks. And also, this is a historic occasion for small screeners. We've got our first guest. Uh, guest is Jesse Starcher. He's a buddy of mine who I do my uh, comic book podcast, Unspoken Issues, uh, with by way of a little bit of a background, if not for Jesse, this podcast probably wouldn't exist, and I probably wouldn't be doing any podcast because uh, I was introduced to him through our buddy Dean Compton, who runs the Unspoken Decade fan site for '90s comics, and I'd written a couple of articles for that website, and I let Dean know, hey, if you guys ever do any podcasts, you know, I'd love to to uh, try out some of that, and he got back to me shortly and said him and and Jesse were about to do one, you know, a few weeks later. And uh, so I was introduced to Jesse that way, and then me and Jesse started doing the Unspoken Issues podcast later. I also did some uh, guest appearances on his Source Material podcast, which I'll let him tell you a little bit more about. But anyway, that's all uh, kind of the background of it, me and Jesse. So Jesse, say hello. Hey, everybody. My goodness. You know, Unspoken Issues focus straightly, straight, straight on 90s comics, all right? But we aren't going away from the 90s. Here, and that's what I love about what we're getting ready to talk about. <laughs> this is firmly in what we just heard with that trailer, firmly square in the 90s still. So uh, look forward to uh, having a good discussion with you guys tonight. It'll be fun. Right on. Awesome. We're Welcome. glad to have you. And thank you for helping Chris along and making this possible. And as I mentioned to Chris, you know, it, it allows us to shepherd our bullshit out into the world. And I, <laughs> I, for one, am thankful. I appreciate that, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. Glad to be here. 
Man, oh man, it's going to be a fun time. Let's do it. Uh, Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Uh, Tremors 2 is a 1996 direct-to-video movie starring Fred Ward, Christopher Garton, Michael Gross, and Helen Shaver, directed by S.S. Wilson, written by S.S. Wilson and Brenton Maddock. Uh, it was interestingly filmed in early uh, 1994 with a $4 million budget. The film was released on video April 19th of 1996. Obviously, this is a sequel to the, I guess, kind of cult classic Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward vehicle Tremors, uh, which is uh, one of my favorite monster movies from, from I think, 1990 was the release for that one. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But by way of plot synopsis for this one, a few years after the events of the original Tremors, Earl Bassett is recruited to kill Graboids that are attacking workers at a Mexican oil field. Graboids is what they call the, uh, you know, the big... Worm monsters from from the first movie. Initially, he's hesitant, but Earl agrees when he learns that the owner, Carlos Ortega, will pay $50,000 for each graboid he kills. A young fan of Earl's, Grady Hoover, uh, accompanies him on his little mission. Upon arrival, they meet geologist Kate Riley and her assistant Julio and mechanic Pedro. After some success, they become overwhelmed by the number of the creatures that uh, are attacking uh, and they enlist Burt Gummer, another survivor of the original film. Burt arrives with a truck full of firearms and explosives, pretty much ready for war with, with the Graboids. Soon enough, the, dis- the group discovers that the Graboids are sort of evolving uh, with smaller bipedal creatures bursting out of the worms. And uh, they're, they kind of look like the, the the front end of the Graboids, but they're kind of running around on two legs, uh, little raptor-type uh, creatures. <laughs> uh, the new creatures reproduce at an alarming rate and soon have the group trapped uh, at the refinery. Uh, Bert manages to trap them into uh, in a shed where the truck is located. Earl then enters the shed and sets off some explosives uh, before escaping, leaving the shriekers to be blown away. So that's kind of the bullet points. There's a lot more we can kind of dig into as far as the plot. But um, what, what about the original tremors start with you aj i'm assuming you're a fan of the original as well oh yeah man yeah <laughs> uh the original tremors is is a perfect movie to me uh, yeah. some people think there's only so many perfect movies i think there's a pretty decent handful and tremors is one of them it just does what it does better than a lot of movies like it it kind of sets a standard that i think a lot of movies that try to be fairly serious about like the stakes and the seriousness of whatever horror or monster or whatever that's going on in a PG 13 way, but still pretty, you know, pleasantly and awesomely gory mixes the yeah, humor it's pretty, in with that. It's pretty heinous as far as the kills for it a PG 13 movie. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it's pretty gnarly. Um, but yeah, the way it mixes with the humor, uh, it's just, it's just one of the best movies, one of the best creature features, which we can get to and will, um it's just it's fucking rad dude i don't know what else to say about it. I mean, uh there's gonna be a lot to say about certain details and stuff but as an overall that's it yeah and i think this sequel it's one of my favorite sequels mm-hmm. i love the shriekers the shriekers are rad mm-hmm. awesome yeah, what sure. about you jesse what's your kind of history with uh at least the original tremors yeah the original movie i can remember watching on vhs this is another one of those uh, movies that I'd go over to my dad's every other weekend and dad would head down to the rental place, grab a movie or two for the family to watch. And it's usually a Friday or a Saturday night thing. And sure enough, Tremors was one of them. I had no idea what I was getting into when we started the movie. But by the end of it, I was like, this was a lot of fun. It was probably I mean, 
as far as early moving, I mean, it's 1990, so I'm like 12 years old, I think, at that point. Mm -hmm. But as far as horror comedies go, I didn't realize that watching something kind of scary and gory could also be funny at the same time. This is probably one of the first movies that I ever recognized as doing that. Uh, there's definitely some humor involved. A man, it, one of the standouts in the first movie, of course, is Burt Gummer. Uh, Michael mm -hmm. Gross is Burt Gummer. I was just telling... We were it was it was me and Dean. We were talking on the last unspoken issues that we recorded that we were getting ready to talk about Tremors two, and we started talking about Tremors one. And the greatest one of the greatest scenes in that movie is when and my my son loved it too. I mean, I sat down and watched this with my kids, and they got to enjoy it just recently. But when the graboid comes through the wall at their house while they're in the basement, it's it's uh, him and yeah. Heather, I think is her name. And they just start unloading their <laughs> weapons on this thing. And it doesn't stop for like five minutes straight. I mean, they're just unloading and unloading and then they're reloading their guns. And then at one point, Heather looks over and is like, oh, you know, I'm out of I'm out of ammunition, puts more ammunition there. Then she it pans over to where on the wall is about every gun imaginable. <laughs> and it just escalates from there until he finally like has a, what is it? Like some kind of like elephant gun behind yeah. glass break in case of emergency or something like that. He grabs that thing and unloads on it. Anyway, love that scene. My son loved it. We, you know, it was, it's one of those shows that, if the kids are old enough, you can kind of show them. And, and even though there's some scary, gory parts to it, they're going to have a fun time watching it. I thought of this today. And it, it, it's surprised that it only occurred to me just now. But this is like the floor is lava, the movie. OK, because you <laughs> cannot touch the ground. Whatever you do, you can't touch the ground or the graboids are going to maybe get you. Um, and that's that's kind of what I feel like we it, it adds this great element of suspense, like, oh, my gosh, where are these things at? But, yeah, love the love tremors. I've watched it probably. I don't go back and revisit movies a whole lot. But and when you can say I've watched a movie more than five times, it's got to be something that I've really enjoyed. And tremors is one of those. Yeah, I uh, I don't remember the first time I watched the first Tremors. It was probably an HBO experience. Maybe it was a rental. But uh, Tremors is odd that because it's one of it's probably my dad's favorite movie. And my dad <laughs> is not a guy who watches a ton of movies. He doesn't really like watching movies. He, he's got a very specific type of movie he likes, which is basically uh, it's basically genre stuff. Like he he likes the Star Wars movies. Uh, he likes a lot of the Schwarzenegger movies like Terminator, Predator. Uh, he likes those movies a lot. He likes Tremors. Uh, he likes the Men in Black movies. He liked Independence Day. Th those are kind of the type of movies. He, he doesn't like movies in general, but he likes those movies. And Tremors, I've heard him say before, is his favorite movie. So Nice, nice. And I loved it a lot when I was a kid, too. You know, I watched it with him a lot. I watched it on my own several times. Uh, I probably had not seen it in over a decade until this past sometime in the maybe last fall or, or in the in the winter sometime i uh picked up the arrow blu-ray that they put out nice. and rewatched it when i picked that up and it it held up great uh it was yeah. it was really cool to revisit it but but yeah the sequel I, I looked into a little bit of the like kind of the background on the sequel apparently initially they were going to do a theatrical release kevin bacon was supposed to be in it i think he had a conflict with the paul 13 so he couldn't do it and once that 
happened, they were like, well, we're not going to put a lot of money into this, <laughs> considering it, it wasn't a huge hit. It was more of a hit on video. I think it made a little bit of money in the box office, but it was mostly a video hit. So they decided to, to go straight to video with it. I was kind of surprised that they essentially sat on it for two years before they actually released it after it had been uh, filmed. And apparently even after they completed the movie, they did some like test screenings and stuff. And it was testing really well that they were considering going ahead and putting it out in theaters. But it was decided, I guess, that the money that that would require to, to do prints and advertising and stuff, that it wasn't uh, something they were look, really wanted to, to risk. So they just went ahead and, and put it out on, on video. So that might explain why there was such a long gap between the filming and the actual release of the of the video. AJ, when did you first see the uh, the Tremors 2 video? Did you jump on that right away? Did you know it was coming? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd read something about it in Fangoria. And yeah, I couldn't wait for it, rented it, uh, loved it. And then they started showing it on, I think, HBO or something all the time. It, it played a lot. And whenever I would see it on, I'd have to watch it. Because I, I, like I said, I loved it pretty much immediately. A lot of the strengths of the first movie are here. I mean budget limitations aside it it does really well with what it's got above and beyond i think it's just a blast and i was so happy when i first saw it because you kind of have to lower your expectations a little bit even though i i didn't see the first tremors in the theater you know like you said it was a hit on video i think that's where most people saw a video on cable and that's where i caught it so it was kind of you know pretty much the same situation i watched it at home and loved it yeah i mean that's how it worked for me i assume that's how it worked for you guys uh, yeah, essentially. <laughs> Jesse, what about you? Did you know this was coming out or was it a surprise when you finally saw it? Yeah, I'm certain that I had no idea that this was coming out unless I caught it on like a trailer of it at, on a VHS tape or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, you had the local rental store still in the 90s down down the road. Uh, we They would have it was just a gas station. But of course, they were renting movies at the time as well. And I'm certain that I probably saw the cover of the VHS tape sitting there and I was like, oh, well, we've got a sequel here. Let's see how how good it is. I could. And at about this time in the mid 90s, I'm getting ready. I, I'm going into like my senior year uh, of high school and I, I, I can drive so I can make my own trips to go to the video store. I uh, had my own VCR, you know, it had my own TV in my own room, you know. So going into the video store and grabbing movies was pretty commonplace throughout the week. Like I would get one, I'd probably say about three or four movies throughout the week, <laughs> read them and watch them. So Tremors 2 probably was on that shelf. And I, I can remember, I can remember at least watching it on video, obviously. Um, and I'm pretty certain it was shortly after it came out. Uh, so yeah, it was as <sighs> enjoying it. I, I really enjoyed it. This is a movie that I remember watching it first and going, this is actually a sequel that ain't half bad. Even though we're missing Kevin Bacon and my son would tell you that he was rather upset that Kevin Bacon didn't come back to the second one. He's like, where's the second guy at? And I'm like, he's off doing something better, man. I, I guess yeah. he's doing something better. But uh, regardless, Fred Ward's able to, um, they're able to handle themselves fine here. The, the story's good and I enjoyed myself. Yeah, I don't really remember if I knew that it was coming out or not, but I do remember uh, renting it and being excited, A, because, hey, this is something me and my dad can watch because he doesn't really give a shit about most of the stuff I'm renting. <laughs> and, and he enjoyed it. I think he probably liked the character of Bert more than uh, oh, Val. Is, yeah. yeah. And um, at the time, I, I remember also thinking, man, it kind of sucks that Kevin Bacon's not in it, so I was not as excited about it, but I was still willing to give it a shot and I, I liked it a lot as well. And 
I think now I prefer the character of, of Bert, even in the first movie. Uh, and I like Kevin Bacon fine, but uh, I'm a I'm a really big fan of, of Fred Ward, who, I mean, we haven't mentioned it yet, but obviously he passed away a couple of months ago now, which sucks. This is actually our second Fred Ward vehicle on Small Screeners. Right. We did mm-hmm. Cast a Deadly Spell, I think, in our second episode. So more than happy to revisit Fred Ward. Uh, for this episode. So just kind of in general, I guess we can jump into a, a general discussion about the movie. I'll start with just saying this is a direct-to-video movie with a pretty small budget. The special effects are pretty awesome. I really like the practical effects, which is kind of cliche to say almost at this point, but it's true. That's, you know, the preferred method for, especially for like monster movie stuff to me. And the CGI that they do use is surprisingly really good for an early to mid-90s movie especially that went straight to video uh right. the, the the shriekers as they're called they there are a few wobbly moments like specifically when they're stacking up on each other trying to get to uh, to client to get to the guys on top of the tower that don't look so great um but mo- for the most part the cgi looks really good in this i was kind of surprised that it held up as well as it did they made a big deal about that in the fangoria article i remember before it came out that phil Tippett, who had worked with you know worked for Spielberg on Jurassic Park for the dinosaurs. Mm. His team came on to do the CG. The guys who did all the alien movies past like Alien 3, uh, Woodruff and those guys, they did the uh, the practical effects. I remember that. But yeah. Phil Tippett, you know, he's the guy that just put out that new stop motion thing on Shutter, Mad God, that he worked on for like the last 20 fucking years, 30 yeah. years, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a genius. He's a he's one of the, the baddest dudes around and has been for decades. And so, yeah, it's really cool that they were able to get him to work on it because, it you know, like you said, even today, that CGI is still pretty impressive for the most part. You know, more than it's not. You just go, wow, a direct-to-video movie back in the mid-90s has this? Yeah, good job. Right. It's killer. Yeah, I I really appreciated the practical effects. And just like you said there, Chris, every once in a while, it, when you see the CGI, you're like, uh, you could tell it's mid-90s. Uh, you are watching a mid-90s movie with not-so-polished CGI. But regardless, it, it's weird to see most of what you got like in the first movie was just the big solid worms halfway sticking out of the dirt maybe and then some stuff Mm. flopping around from their mouths and now we get like a full body shrieker that's there's probably some challenges that they had to face trying to get this thing to look good but uh, all in all the villains the the shriekers the the beasts in this thing they look fine It, it was it was enjoyable nonetheless didn't take me out Mm-hmm. You, you know, when I watched that Arrow uh, Blu-ray for the for the first Tremors, there was a behind-the-scenes thing with, with, for the uh, effects. I'd never really seen any of the like behind-the-scenes stuff on the effects for that. I didn't realize how much of that was like miniatures. Uh, oh, okay. In the original Tremors flick, it was really cool. just just throwing that out there as like a recommendation. Of <laughs> you may be able to find that on YouTube or something. It's really cool. Uh, nice. To, uh, to see some of the stuff they did in that first movie that I was kind of unprepared for as far as like how they did some of that stuff. But yeah, the, I thought they, the effects in this were really strong. The character of Christopher Garton's character, the like sidekick guy. Grady. The immortal yeah. Grady Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know a damn thing about this guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's fine in the movie. I don't think he's bad or anything, but I've never seen it, him in anything else. I think he was uh, like in school ties or some shit like that. Or oh, I'm really? probably wrong. It's something like that. Oh, I remember I've... seeing the movie recently and thinking he's kind of like somehow 
and like some weird time travel multiverse bullshit, he's like a precursor to a Jamie Kennedy type yes. who would later be in a Tremors movie, a couple of Tremors movies, I think. <laughs> you know, they have him kind of like the the real excitable, kind of like the little Chihuahua, you know, <laughs> right? Like that right. character dancing around, mm-hmm. and then every once in a while I'll get a smack, shut up, that kind of little fucker. Um, <laughs> whereas, and then in part three they go back to more of a Kevin Bacon type, right down to him wearing the the cowboy hat, the whole deal. More oh, wow. of a cowboy, you know? Yeah. I, I think that, well, they were losing Fred Ward in that one, too. But that led to the rise of Burt Gummer throughout all the sequels. <laughs> but we're not talking about them today. We're talking about part two. And Christopher Garden is fine, I think. He's just, you know, he's not Kevin Bacon. Right. <laughs> they don't have that chemistry. It's not those two characters, Burt and Val. And it does suffer a bit for that. But they made the most of it. And Fred Ward is like, hey, I'm still awesome. I can carry this shit. And he did. So <laughs> I've got... Chris Garten's IMDb pulled up here. So oh, a lot man. of a lot of from what I can see prior to this is a lot of TV <laughs> um, TV series. OK, I can throw some of these Makes out sense. here. Yeah. He, I mean, not not big parts from what I can see. He was on Who's the Boss in 1990 as Eric. He was on a show called Going Places, which I've heard of, but I can't remember what it specifically that was about. Then was he ever we, on 90210 or Melrose Place? Melrose Place, Ted <laughs> Ramsey. Okay, see, if he he was doing okay then. He was doing <laughs> yes. okay. If he was on either one of those in the early 90s as a working TV actor, you know, you can at least say, hey, you know, I'm doing those. <laughs> shortly after, shortly after Tremors 2, he's on Party of Five as Drew Bishop. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely got some TV under his belt by the time this hits. Uh, it looks like that's kind of where he stays. I, this might be the only actual movie that's listed under here. He yeah. does have some voice work in a video game, which was Johnny Mnemonic, the interactive oh. action movie from 1995. He was Johnny's voice. So interesting okay. stuff there. He was in a lot of Mantis. Do you guys remember Mantis? With Carl Lumley. I, I never actually saw Mantis, but recently I realized or I saw something where Sam Raimi was a producer on that. Hmm. So now I kind of okay. want to watch it. <laughs> he was known as, uh, I guess his character's name was Taylor Savage. 22 episodes. So that's, yeah, that looks like that's a big bunch of his work. Uh, right there prior to him getting on Tremors. So neat stuff. Yeah, I haven't heard much. I couldn't remember. You know, you throw this guy at me and I doubt I'd be like, oh, that's the guy from Tremors 2. I, <laughs> I would have, you know, I just wouldn't recognize him. But yeah, he's got some work under his belt. So Michael Gross, who is awesome in these Tremors movies. I've, I think I've only Legend. seen the first three. Is yeah. the third one the one that's a prequel? No, that's the fourth one. Fourth. Okay. So I think I've seen the the set, the third and fourth ones, but um, he's great in these movies. And I think I only know about him exclusively from Tremors. I know he was on Family, family Ties, Ties in the eighties, right. and my family watched that when I was a kid. But I have literally no memories of that show except he was in it. I remember the characters. Well, Michael J. Fox obviously was in it, but I don't. I don't remember a single plot line from a single episode of Family Ties. So I really only know Michael Gross from the Tremors movies, and um, that's fine with me because he's awesome in these flicks. Yeah. It was a big, big change of pace from all of us who grew up watching him on Family Ties. Um, sure. You know, the the kind and loving, caring dad who always had an ear to listen and was soft spoken and 
all that good stuff. And then he shows up and he's a gun nut and, you know, conspiracy theorist, you know, <laughs> he would, he would probably totally talk your ear off about Q these days, which I'm oh, sure yeah. they're not doing. In oh, the terms. Boy. <laughs> um, oh boy. He's just, he's just kind of out there. Right. And it's so different than Stephen Keaton, but it's right. I mean, we, all of us were just blown away. I remember all my friends, we were like, Oh my God, the dad from family ties, he's a beast, you know? <laughs> and, and he has just been the rock of these things. I like all of the ones I've seen. I None of them, not even this one, which is one of my favorite sequels. None of them are as good as the first one. Like I said, I think that one's perfect. But mm-hmm. I found something, something to enjoy in all of them, even the, the most recent ones, which are pretty dumb and, you know, not great, but yeah. <laughs> they're, they're fun for what they are, just not great and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and you know, it's mainly Michael Gross. If Michael Gross hadn't been any in any of these, then yeah, I, I think that would be a completely different conversation I'd be having. And this is the last ride for Fred Ward, right? He's not in the yeah. third one. No. Okay. And the closest they got Bacon back was within the last couple of years. They did a pilot for a show. Yeah. And apparently it was pretty good, but they didn't pick it up for whatever reason. The trailer looked pretty red. Yeah, that's, uh, I like the trailer too. I thought that the pilot had gotten leaked somewhere but i haven't been able to find it i've looked a few times but i don't i don't guess it's out there yet but um that that not getting picked up is like one of the cardinal sins of what's happened i mean i cannot believe yeah. that 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 would not make a good series i thought it would it would have been awesome have they said why they didn't pick it up at all you guys know i don't I mean, remember I, no, I didn't know I, if there was I some, assume kind it's of, some kind of budget thing. Maybe it was maybe it was going to be too expensive or something. I don't know. Just ridiculous. I mean, I know of at least five or six people that would have watched it. I mean, come on. <laughs> that should be good enough. I would that think. should be good enough. <laughs> I, I just remember when uh, the trailer for it came out, there was a lot of buzz online. People were excited. Yeah. It seemed like yeah. there was an audience just ready and waiting for it. I know I was part of it. I'm sure you guys were. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of us were just like, yeah, let's go. And then nothing. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Michael Gross, by the way, I, you're right. I'm looking at the IMDb now. Family Ties, recognize it. Tremors, recognize it. Hijack the dad in Cool as Ice. Let us not neglect no. it. No. I'm sure oh, you no. will get to it, but it's important. <laughs> it's important. Is that it's, the uh, That's the Vanilla Ice movie, right? Yeah, uh, the Vanilla Ice legendary masterpiece. Okay. Of, no, I'm sorry, I can't even. I can't even complete that sentence. Um, I had yeah. never seen that until recently. I bought a copy of it because Kino put it out on Blue. And yeah. Tiff, uh, my my wife Tiffany, she loved it when she was a kid because yeah. you know kids are dumb. <laughs> and so I bought it for her, and I watched it with her. And it's a movie that exists. Yeah, and Michael yeah. Gross is interesting. <laughs> just leave it there. My favorite uh, anecdote about that movie is. Uh, one of my buddies, when he was in high school, he's a little older than me. When he was in high school, he, he had told me that uh, his friend rented Cool as Ice when it came out on video. And uh, he was like, hey, man, have you seen that Cool as Ice movie? And he was like, the Vanilla Ice uh, action movie? And he's like, yeah, that's that's not a bad movie. It's actually pretty good. And my buddy he was, was like, you. that's when I knew that he likes every movie he's ever watched. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's the I only explanation. That a lot, but I, I, <laughs> I could not party with cool as I, so I just couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the uh, the last member of the cast I kind of wanted to talk about was Helen Helen Shaver. Yeah, who I'm not super familiar with. I looked up some of her info like on Wikipedia and um, haven't seen much of the stuff she was in as an actress. Uh, she's a pretty prolific television director now. She's done episodes of like Lovecraft Country and uh, lots Stoke of stuff. 
Yeah, a lot of uh, like of the prestige TV stuff lately too. So yeah, she's uh, very successful good. in that regard, and she's good in this as well. Yeah, I think she was in that John Schlesinger occult movie with Martin Sheen, like trying to be kind of like elevated horror before that was a thing, hmm. but also kind of pulpy and crappy. The Believers. Um, yeah, she was in that, really. and she was uh, Bruza Box mom in The Craft. Um, uh, that's basically yeah. all I know her from. I've never seen The Craft actually. I did. I did see her name on the that listed in her credits, but I've never actually seen The Craft. 1996 to 1999, they have her credited as in 87. I'm certain because it just says credit only on a few, few of these things. 87 episodes of Poltergeist: The Legacy. Oh yeah, the syndicated show. Rachel I forgot that even MD. existed. <laughs> yeah, I remember it now that you say it, but I've completely forgotten about it. Yeah, she's doing that at the same time as this gets released, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm the same way. I don't recognize her from anything really that stood out to me. Like As far as big names go, I mean, Fred Ward and Michael Gross, and I could say Helen Shaver does not land on any list for me as like, wow, look at that movie she was in. Doesn't <laughs> happen. <laughs> yeah, she's not Reba McIntyre. <laughs> no, I, I will say though. I mean, as far as she goes, as far as it goes here in Tremors too, she did fine. I mean, I didn't. Mm-hmm. No complaints for me. She did the another geologist. That's uh, what. You're right. <laughs> um, but uh, she did, you know, playing uh, the uh, playmate that was on Earl's wall. In yeah, that was his, a cool. Uh, I mean. Totally implausible, but it was a cool callback to that poster whenever it was revealed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, it, she did. She did a fine sort of like action heroine love interest. I don't know if you call her an actual ha- action heroine in here or not, but I mean, she's basically just running for her life. But uh, either way, yeah, she was fine actress in this movie. You know, you mentioned uh, Reba, AJ. Who was great in the first Tremors. But, Shockingly uh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Couldn't have predicted that at all. Yeah. And then once uh, I saw it, it's like, man, my life is better for having this in it. <laughs> Reba running around, shooting off the... G- yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, yeah, she was also listed as one of the reasons. Um, she she didn't... She was going to be in this, uh, in this in the original script, but um, she had a, a tour. You know, she's a a, obviously... A, very famous country musician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was going to keep like her out story. of it. And then Kevin Bacon was also out. So that's, that's, you know, when they decided not to do the, do it as a, as a theatrical run, but if only they could have gotten Reba. <laughs> and then she went on to have a very successful sitcom for like a decade, I think, which I've never we, seen an episode of. But. I own them all on DVD, sir. <laughs> my, my wife's favorite country singer is Reba McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And they're at one of her favorite sitcoms is Reba. Yeah. So must've been doing something right. It was on forever. It was too. <laughs> oh, yeah. One other thing I wanted to kind of point out the, the gag with the radio <laughs> which is great. And you know, they hear the radio coming later whenever, because one of the graboids eats, their radio and then they can hear oh, it later. Yes. Jurassic Park three totally stole that gag. <laughs> well, uh, I think it in and of itself it's a really cool little uh nod to the barrels in Jaws. Oh, uh, mm. that's a good point, yes. Mm. I've only seen Jaws like twice, maybe three times. Christopher, but, yeah. you need to tell me this kind of shit before I agree to do a <laughs> podcast with you. Right? <laughs> It, you know, it, it may be more like five times. I don't know. I've, but I don't watch it super regularly because it, it actually, every time I watch it, I'm like, man, this movie's really fucking good. <laughs> but I, it's just not something that I'm tempted to just throw on very often. But yeah, Jaws is great. I'm not trying to denigrate it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, whenever I saw that gag, I was like, because, you know, before watching it today, 
I can't remember the last time I watched Tremors. It was probably in the 90s sometime. So the first thing I thought of when I saw that, I was like, hey, they did that with a cell phone in Jurassic Park 3, which is not as good as this movie, by the way. Not that Jurassic Park 3 is terrible. I don't think it is, but... I'll back you up on that. Yeah, I'd agree. So, yeah, I'm taking notes as you guys were clued in there as I'm tweeting out most of the stuff that I was seeing today. (laughs) Um, But, uh, okay, so I think number one that I have on my list here is Earl loses his hat again. He's, I think in the first movie, he's uh, running from, he's running from the graboids. And as he's running, his hat flies off. Well, okay. That's the end of that. And then they're, they're in the truck and he sticks his hat or sticks his head out the window. His hat flies off his head again. Hey, loses that twice, two in a row. <laughs> Let's just talk about the massive graboid head on Burt Gummer's wall. Oh, in his yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> I Just, was, I, yeah, I did. I'm glad you brought that up. That was uh, a great reveal because the he's on the phone, you know, with Earl trying to recruit him, and the camera slowly pans <laughs> across his his basement until we finally reveal that. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a fabulous side gag, and I think a good sign of how important it was, and why one of the reasons the movie's so successful. The same writers wrote this one. You know, the one guy directed it so you know, because of, of the budget issues and then on the next one they wrote that one too and the other guy brent maddock he directs part three that's but cool. i just think you know them them writing little gags like that that's a that's a character moment and so absurd that it just you, you can't help but just laugh out loud seeing it it's it's a perfect little moment mm-hmm. love it uh the fact that like the universe that they live in understands that graboids exist and they're not like hunting them to extinction or anything like that. They're okay down in Mexico. That's interesting. I'm sure America's just fine. Uh, North America, <laughs> United States are just fine, but Mexico still still has a graboid problem. And the fact that they made a lot of money, I think there's a mention of a Reebok commercial of them running across the <laughs> sand, uh, running across the desert, which is hilarious. Yeah. Grady doesn't understand rock paper scissors, which blows my mind. That's <laughs> he has no idea how that works, and it, it that's a yeah. gag throughout the whole thing. The competition between Earl Grady and Bert on the in regards to who's getting the most uh, graboids as they're killing them, yeah, and that continues throughout, which is entertaining. But man, does this escalate when they find the one that they think is sick, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it becomes quiet, and they go up there, and there's just a gaping hole in the side of this graboid, and they're like, mm. "Oh my gosh, what's getting? What are we getting into now?" And it, of course, these things have evolved, and uh, we got a whole new ball game. And I will go ahead and quote it. You know, Grady says, "You know what to do, right?" And Earl looks at him and says, "I don't know shit." <laughs> <laughs> which is so, perfect aj you've seen you know more of these movies than i have i assume they continue to evolve as the movies progress like are the um, shriekers in more of the movies and yeah they they continue like i think the worms stay in a little bit but in the third one the shriekers evolve yet again into what they call ass blasters oh uh, yes. Right. Yes, That's right. yes yes yeah and then the fourth one is the prequel so i don't think they introduce anything new in that and then the one after that the first one with jamie kennedy i think if i'm remembering correctly i don't remember if they introduce anything new or if they just stick what's there uh Did they sprout wings at one point in one that's movie? in three okay. And, okay. and they fire that uh this like flame out of their ass and it propels them like right. a rocket into the air where they pop out their wings and cruise around and like, you know, uh, glide, (laughs) you know, death from above kind of thing. It's, it's again, dumb, but pretty fun. Yeah. I think I I appreciate the fact that Bert keeps his 
he keeps his Atlanta Hawks hat between <laughs> the first part and the second part. He's still wearing it. So I yeah. can't remember. I know I've watched three, but I can't remember if he's got the Atlanta Hawks hat. So Burt Gummer, big Atlanta Hawks fan for some oh, reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Love um, Dominique. Yeah, that's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think the the again Bert in this one just seems to excel and and it it makes me appreciate that character so much more because there's a lot of gags that revolve around him that when he shoots the shrieker and he uses that massive gun that explodes the shrieker goes through a cinder block <laughs> wall like nine barrels right into <laughs> the engine block of the car that they're trying to get into to leave it's it's fantastic and then of course at the end when you know they they're getting ready to explode the building that all these shriekers are in and they all run for cover and Bert just keeps running past them. He's like, no, you got to keep going. You got to go. You got to get back. It's going to be yeah, big. We, it's going to be we big. See Sorry, we see the the shed they were hiding behind the first time, and when we see the big explosion, it just gets obliterated. So. Right, right. My, yeah, my son, you know, he's watching with me. He's like, they would have been dead, man. I'm like, yeah, they would have been. It would have been bad. But yeah, man, I, I really, it, this is a sequel that holds up for losing, like, one of the main stars. I mean, Kevin Bacon at this time is a hot star, mm-hmm. I, I, and a lot of his movies are, are doing pretty well in the 90s, and they lose him, but they keep, you know, Fred Ward comes in, delivers a solid performance. Michael Gross, I, I'd say, steps up his game. Tremors too. I mean, it is it is a good sequel, one of the good sequels to a good movie. Yeah, yeah, well said. I, I would just wanted to interject real quick with something, uh, a scene from this, one of my favorites, that again, I think, really showcases one of the strengths of the first movie. It's the scene where they throw the shirt in the, the hot water, Mm. and then yeah. clip it to the line and run it out to distract the uh, Shriekers, which in this one hunt off infrared, they are attracted to heat. They see through heat. And it reminded me of the first one where they had to pole vault between the rocks. Yeah, and something I think that's great about the writing in this is it she, she brings it up in this movie. I don't think they bring it up in the first one beyond something about having a plan. But the point is they're thinking. They have to think on their feet, which is what she says. You really think on your feet, don't you? Mm-hmm. But they're forced to think their way out of of the situations and I just I just think that's cool because they they usually come up with a, a pretty groovy solution that's pretty clever or you go, oh, yeah, you know, you would hope that you would come up with something like that, given what you have around you or whatever. And it's just I really like that that moment. And I think it's a strength of both the movies that it has the characters just trying to think their way out of the shitstorm they've been dropped. Right. Into. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, I think that kind of thing needs to be applauded. They're not just, it's not just brute force. It's not just about blowing them up. Although there's plenty of that kind of stuff too, which is rad. Um, so yeah, I just think that's a real strong aspect of these movies and I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the cool thing, one of the cool things about this sequel is it's not a rehash of tremors, which it easily could have been, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's still, very familiar like the setting is as far as like the the uh, locations and stuff are very similar you get the moment where they're kind of trapped on the roof you know which is kind of evokes the first movie but it is telling a, a different version of this kind of story uh, it's not just like a, a, a rehash necessarily so this and i this think we like, all would have watched that too you know? yeah right I, oh yeah <laughs> i would have been yeah would have been down the neat thing about this is like now we're ready in the first movie we weren't 
We had no idea what we were getting. And now we know and we're like able to in this movie, they're able to be prepared and bring guns, bring explosives. They have a way of trying to kill these things. And that's what's neat about it. At the beginning, you're like, well, you know, they got they got everything ready to go. Everything's handled. They're blowing. They're blowing these. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're blowing the graboids up left and right. And I mean, how many how many times did junk fall on people? That was a great. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, they. The technology that we are able to use in order to be uh, dominant over this species, we we were not so doing so well against in the first movie. It's you know we're going to win, and then all of a sudden the whole game changes, and I think that's said <laughs> in the trailer. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. a whole new ball game. Mm. So I, I like that. I mean, the only other note I really had, uh, I want to play that Graboid video game. That would be cool. Right. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Seen. What do you think it would be? Like, tell me what you think it would be. See my Dig Dug, I, sorry, Dig Dug. <laughs> See my initial or my my, uh, my gut reaction is to think it's going to be centipede. similar to like a centipede, centipede or yeah. something like that. But this is you know the early '90s. This is after the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo were out. Video games were getting more advanced, so it would probably be a little cooler than that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to have seen an example of it like being played. That would have been cool. Yes, I don't know if they do yes. that in the sequels or not. I kind of doubt it, but that would have been cool. I do not think there are any callbacks to the Graboid video game, unfortunately. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> to their discredit. <laughs> well. But uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got. One more time, uh, Fred Ward for president. He was awesome in this. Yeah, Amen. Uh, and and uh, I would like, you know, I've, I've been on kind of a Fred Ward roll lately because I've watched Cast a Deadly Spell a couple times. Uh, got to watch just, Southern Comfort, brother. I have seen that. I watched that on your recommendation a couple years ago when it was on Prime, but I do need to watch it again. And uh, I need to watch the right stuff, which I've never seen. And I know he's in that. That's uh, a great movie. I'm, I can't remember. What's the 80s franchise movie that never took off that he was in? Remo Williams. Remo Williams. Remo Williams, yeah. So I watched so that I, for the first time recently, and now Tremors 2, I revisited that. So it's been fun to go back and look at some Fred Ward stuff. But that's pretty much all I got. You guys got any more final thoughts on Tremors 2 before we close the book? Um, I would just suggest that anyone who, if you enjoyed the first one, you should give it a shot. Even if you were hesitant for whatever reason, it kicks ass. Hell, watch it if you haven't seen the first one. You can probably pick it up enough to enjoy yourself. It's a great movie. <laughs> I'll echo that. Yeah, it's a it's it's a fun time. I mean, look, you're looking for a straight to video movie. This holds up. You know what you did. Sometimes you got some stuff that wasn't the greatest, you know, straight to VHS or whatever. This is fine. It's perfectly fine. Enjoy yourself. That's right. (laughs) Well said. Yeah, I also recommend it. Uh, It's actually available on Paramount, not Paramount, but on Peacock right now. So you can catch it there if you've got an account with them. Probably can find it pretty cheap on DVD, if not, or as a rental on on any number of streaming services. I'd ask you guys in advance to come up with your top three, something we normally do at the end of every episode. For this one, I was going to see what you guys thought about your top three creature features, uh, which is kind of a broad term, but I think we could figure it out. So what do you think? We'll start with you, Jesse. You're our guest. Yeah. So I almost was like, okay, I've got to talk to these guys and figure out the parameters because (laughs) can I go aliens? Can I go here? I didn't know if I had to stay on Earth because creature features do cover a lot. Yeah, yeah, they cover a lot. So I've got my top three here. A couple of them are going to be pretty, you know, pretty obvious, but I think I, I might have picked a darling of mine that maybe some other people may pass on. But first one's going to be Predator. 
Uh, so oh, Arnold gosh. Schwarzenegger's. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and go with that. That's uh, that is our our buddy Dutch, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since <laughs> I watched it, but uh, our buddy Dutch hanging out in the jungle with his friends there, military unit, and they run into an alien who is happening to be hunting people and. He finds that these soldiers make a good hunt and we have therein lies the conflict. But Predator is, you know, one of the most iconic 80s action flicks that you can think of. Um, And as far as creatures go, the Predator is probably one of the most iconic, like, other uh, otherworldly creatures out there. I think you look at the xenomorph, you look at the alien from Predator, and it's you know it's neck and neck there when you talk about those two uh, as far as how iconic they are. But yeah, man, I mean Predator is. I'll watch that. I don't know it, 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 at least once every two or three years, and that's one that you know I'd like to. I think I've had my son watch it with me, which it's it's pretty it's pretty intense, little little <laughs> bit of gore. Uh, so I you know I probably shouldn't have showed it showed him that at a young age as as I did, but he he enjoyed it. I'll just put it that way. If he can play Mortal Kombat and the Predators in Mortal Kombat 11 or whatever it is, he'll be yeah. fine with watching. <laughs> he'll be fine with watching some guys get their spines ripped out. So yeah, I, my parents let me watch uh, Predator when I was like eight or nine. So yeah, I, Do you have I, nightmares. <laughs> no, not like Friday the Thirteenth, no. Ooh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I loved it, and I still do. And AJ, would you also consider Predator a perfect movie? Uh, it's pretty close. I mean, I know that his next one, Die Hard, is. Yeah, um, Mick Tiernan. I mean, but yeah, I mean, Predator. You can't fuck with Predator, man. You just can't. Mm. You just can't. Mm. I mean, it kind of created a genre in a way, much the same uh, other movies that might come up did in in terms of what they mixed. You can say Aliens mixed you know, outer space sci-fi horror with a war movie. And Predator kind of mixed the horror sci-fi with a straight-up 80s action movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a great example of both of those. And it's two tastes that taste great together, man. <laughs> I, I love <laughs> right, it. It's right. it's amazing. You you just you can't miss with Predator. You could watch Predator at 8 o'clock this morning, and it's going to be just that awesome at 8 o'clock that night. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, dude. Right. All what right. else you got? Next on the list, this was on, okay, so I don't know, I, this kind of borders whether you want to call the monsters, uh, you know, a solid creature feature, if you want to call the humans the creatures in this one, the mist, mm. because that, so, okay, argument for it being a creature feature, there are plenty of those happening, <laughs> plenty of creatures happening in this movie. A lot of the movie deals with the relationships among the people that are trapped in this supermarket. But the creatures, the these bugs that are outside that break into the supermarket or the tentacles that are grabbing guys and, and dragging them out underneath doors or the spiders with acidic webs. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I'm going to say that there you go. It's it's not completely focused on one creature, but the mist. I mean, hey, you know, yeah. you can make an argument that that's what's bringing them there. That's what these people have to deal with. And I, wow, as depressing as that movie can be, <laughs> it is probably up there when it comes to like, I, I would say this might be in my top 10 of movies. I, again, I think one 
one of the greatest things being a parent is sharing the movies that you know really uh, put a smile on your face or made you think with your children is one of the greatest things that, that you know that being a parent holds. It's the the miss is so powerful, especially when it comes to the end and how the ending rolls about. But regardless, there's so much horror involved in what's out there in the mist. What what you don't know is out there in the mist because you get a glimpse of some of the stuff. What else? What else could be out there? But there you go. That's number two on my list. You uh, know the the mist I saw in a theater and I really loved it. And I remember when that ending rolled around. I was you know I'm not a guy who normally. You know, there there are movies that I do think the 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 downer ending is appropriate and it works well. And there are sometimes when I just feel like it was kind of used more as for shock effect or whatever. But the mist, I remember just really being uneasy with the ending and thinking like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I like that or not. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And to this point, it's like one of my favorite endings <laughs> in any yeah. horror movie. Uh, I love the mist. It's awesome. I. Can't agree with you guys more. That's a five out of five for me. And like you said, Jesse, it's that's a horror movie. It horrifies you. You know, it's it's not just about terrifying you. It just and it it is kind of a downer. And when I saw it in the theater, people got up and left. Oh wow! At the end, and I and it wasn't even like as bad as the ending gets. It wasn't the final twist of the knife. It was after something yeah. horrible had happened. They're like, you know what? That's enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they left and then it got worse, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm, you know, wonder what they would have thought of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, right. you know, it's just isn't that I think that ending as unpleasant as it is, is a perfect ending to that movie, especially it's trying to tell you this is what happens when you lose hope. Right. You know, that's ultimately what it comes down to with that. But creature feature, for sure. It's got that giant thing that's bigger than an at 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 the end. I mean, what <laughs> is that thing? I think it's um, called Behemoth. Uh, yeah, I mean, some <laughs> 70s proto-metal band, you know, Gigantor or Behemoth or <laughs> some shit. It, it's a monster, and it's got monsters on it. It's it's a monster with monsters on it, okay? That's that's a lot. Uh, like, the, it, like the Cloverfield monster a few years later, the shit that falls off of it and starts eating your face. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also like the other creature that made it into the supermarket, the, the twisted mutant pterodactyl-looking bullshit that, like, yes. makes snack out the back of your deck. <laughs> like a Charleston chew, but with your flesh is gnarly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love the best. I love the best. So my third one on my list, this is one of my favorite movies to watch. I don't watch it a whole lot, but I mean, when I say my favorite, it's like I, I don't want to watch something over and over and over because I enjoy it so much and then kind of lose that feeling, you know, get used to it. The, um, oh, what is it? Well, there's a word for that. It, it, basically, I don't want to start to not like it. So <laughs> that's going to be arachnophobia. Okay. Mm. So this came out, what, uh, I want to say 90? I think so. Uh, 90, 91, something like that. Anyway, Jeff Daniels, you know, he's a doctor, goes to the small town, and it turns out that one of the residents of said small town was off doing a thing he's doing like a documentary or he's, he's a photographer if i remember right taking pictures of these insects in south america ends up getting bitten dies comes back home but he was bitten by a spider that happened to hitch a ride in the coffin and that spider ends up making it with another spider common household spider if i remember correctly and then we have a rash of deaths and a uh, uh, some, if you don't like spiders, well, folks, <laughs> <laughs> I 
this this is not the movie for you, as you can clearly tell by the title. But I, again, it has that tinge of comedy on top of the horror that you're getting, which I, I really appreciate. But some of the scenes in that movie are pretty unnerving, like the the late the, the lady that's in the shower and is mm-hmm. reaching for, you know, I, I don't know, reaching for her soap, but it turns, puts her hand through a cobweb. And then all of a sudden, spider's coming out of the freaking drain, which that's, <laughs> I think, happened to me before. Not a bunch of them, but at least, at least one or two. <laughs> Stuff like that is scary. And John Goodman is great in this. I mean, he's, he's in this comedy role as the exterminator, uh, but one of the saviors of the movie as well. Man, it's it's... It's it's fun to watch with people who don't like spiders and watch them turn away. Uh, that would be my wife. <laughs> yeah. You can't watch something like this. But uh, creature feature arachnophobia. There you go. Right yeah, I, um, I love arachnophobia. It, I, I'm not I'm very um, squeamish around spiders. I don't like spiders at all. <laughs> and I was like that before I even saw the movie. But yeah, it's it was one of my favorites as a kid. And I still I watched it again a few years ago. And it holds up really well. Like you said, John Goodman is hilarious in the he's got a fairly small role though pivotal but he's he's really funny in it and a lot of good performances in it and a lot of cool like the very last set piece where they're in the house and like basically there's just an invasion of these poisonous spiders it's just so skin crawling but (laughs) yeah and jeff daniels like final battle with the large spider and Mm -hmm. how that goes down he falls like through the basement because of the termite damage that they set up halfway through the movie it, yeah, it's really good. I can remember there's a specific memory that I have where a friend, of, a couple friends of mine came over and I knew what arachnophobia was. We watched I'd watched it before. I was like, guys, you got to watch this movie. So we put the movie in. Uh, I'm pretty certain that I recorded this off Showtime or something. But uh, one of the, probably one of those free preview weekends. But I threw the tape in and we're watching the movie and I grab a shoelace and my buddy is just enthralled and I take this shoelace and I start going over his hand and I've never seen somebody <laughs> jump so high. <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. But uh, but yeah, a lot of fun. That's great. Uh, it's nuts because I literally a week ago tomorrow watched it for the first time in years. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, yeah, showed it to uh, watched it with Tiff and she'd never seen it. She really enjoyed it. It really held up as a lot of fun. And the next day I'm on Twitter and there's a, a tweet about it having been released 32 years ago that day. So I had actually wow. watched it like a day before its 32nd uh, anniversary, which was nuts. So yeah, it, that came out 32 years ago. Let's just, you know, dig ourselves a hole and cover ourselves up with dirt. And, <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally cool with that. No problem. Doesn't make me feel old as fuck or about to <laughs> cough up dust and die. Anyway, anyway, it it does hold up. It's a lot of fun. Like you said, Goodman is having a great time. Daniels uh, in one of his first lead roles like that mm-hmm. was really good. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I really like the way you were talking about how there's a lot of there's a lot of close calls where like the spider's right there, but the person doesn't know it, and they pull away right before the spider like would get them or something. Dude, uh, the the cereal box when he reaches into uh, the cereal box, he's eating <laughs> cereal, and there's a spider in that. Oh my god! But it's dead, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Awesome. Well, those, right, yeah, three, three three good picks. AJ, what about you? Top three creature features. Top three creature features. You know, I was like like, like we've been talking about. It's kind of hard to narrow it down in terms of you know creature features just covers a lot of ground. You know, you could talk about killer clowns from outer space if you wanted to um which is great (laughs) but you know i was like you know do i do gremlins or the cousin critters you know those are fun Mm -hmm. 
But I think uh, my third one would have to be a movie that is pulling from that kind of 80s movie. Uh, it might not strike some people as a creature feature, but it definitely does to me, or at least that's part of what I love about it, and that's Krampus. Oh, yes. Um, if nothing, there's there's lots of great creatures running around through the movie. They're all pretty creepy. I really love the part when they're at the door and things have really started going to shit. And there's creature, little monster thingies running around behind the uh, the snowman in the yard that they can barely see, like running around out in the distance. And they look dirty and wet and gross and it's rad. I dig it. <laughs> but the scene in the attic where they're all getting attacked by a different creature like the jack-in-the-box thing, the evil cherub, and then, of course, my favorite, the uh, teddy bear, the demonic teddy bear from hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, you know, Michael, Do- Michael Doherty, the writer-director, grew up on these movies and wanted to make a tribute to that kind of stuff. And you can just feel, like, the love of that kind of movie and the joy he's having. Like, I can almost kind of hear him, like, snickering, like, behind the monitor as, like, you're watching these scenes unfold because it's just, you just... You feel like you're in the hands of someone who's having a great time and they want you to have a great time, even though it's incredibly fucked up. It's yeah. So I love Krampus. That's uh, number three. I'm sure you guys have. Well, I mean, I hope you guys have seen it. I don't know anymore. Yeah. Chris only seen Jaws twice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think right. I've seen Krampus as many times as I've seen Jaws. No, I've seen <laughs> Krampus two or three times and it's it is really good. It's it's one that I probably will try to hit up every like every other Christmas maybe. It's uh it's very reminiscent of like a Gremlins or or like you said a lot of those uh, early eighties. I-, I thought you were gonna go for Super Eight for at first when you <laughs> set that up. Uh, yeah, Krampus is, is cool and it's it's one it's you know it's a PG thirteen horror and it's kind of family friendly but also really kind of fucked up at times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah I really like Krampus. There the one thing that I remember about that movie is like it's, it's almost like no limits. Like, if you think anybody's safe, you're mm. probably wrong because people are getting eaten. People yeah. are getting swallowed. Mm. Kids are meeting their demise, I think, in this. Oh, yeah. And it's but I'm right there with you. This is a movie that I would I, I think I did two Christmases in a row. And my family finally got tired of it uh, watching Krampus. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, we have to watch Krampus again. Come on, Dad. All right. Well, then it's Scrooged. How's that? All right. Well, that's going to happen. But. They are living probably like one of my I would I love post-apocalyptic like snowfall, like blizzards that hit a place and just like shut everything down. Mm. That's great. That's a great setting. I love that for this movie. And these guys are trying to figure out, oh, crap, what do we do? What is our next step? How do we figure out how do we get out of this? Oh, wow. We got monsters after us. They can't believe it. We got a Burt Gummer in that movie too. He, there's a guy with, yeah. uh, he's got some, uh, he's, he's definitely packing some hardware and, and we get guns being unloaded on these things, but it's, it's decent. I really do enjoy Krampus. Good pick. Good pick. Right on. Yeah. David Kechner is great in that as that part, um, the Burt Gummer. Oh yeah. Movie. Yeah. Going to number two. Uh, we don't have to hit this one as hard. I mean, I, I could have chose something else, but I gotta be gotta be true. Uh, my number two is the original Tremors. Okay. Um, and it's kind of funny that two out of my three are like you know Tremors came out in '90, but it has the spirit of those '80s movies in a way. And besides, my theory is that every every movie year that ends in zero is really just the decade before it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Tremors is just it's like I said, I think it's a perfect movie. It's one of those. You know, it's what you want out of a creature feature. It's just so fun. And like we've said, pretty excitingly goopy at times. And it's just, it's great. 
And I know we've already talked about our love for it. So, I mean, I think we can probably all just go, yes, Tremors is fucking yeah, great. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so my number one is, I didn't know that I had this all planned out, but it, it works out good for you, Jesse. Enjoying the the winter apocalypse, the snowpocalypse. Yeah. As it were, it's got to be my favorite horror movie ever. John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, mm. Yes. Yeah, almost made my list. Here's the thing. I knew what I was getting into with you guys. And I was like, I better leave that off my list. <laughs> one of these guys is going to pick it. And I, it is, would have, it's worthy of being a top, atop my list as well. It is a great movie. But go ahead, sir. Well, no, I did kind of wonder. I was like, is everyone going to have the thing on their list? You know, I mean, <laughs> you get enough people and it's going to be on a lot of lists, I think. But it's just, you know, it's just horror sci-fi perfection. Still probably the gold standard for practical effects practical creature effects i can't really think of anything that has outdone it mm -hmm. you know a great terse script that you know you can hang all those uh, effect sequences on when it's time to just let loose and rob Botine really let loose this young kid who was unleashed for the first time and carpenter just kind of let him you know do whatever you know and that's the greatest thing about the creatures in the movie is the idea that they hit upon very early on anything that the thing has imitated at any point over the galaxy it has access to so we can we can make it look like whatever we can come up with mm -hmm. and that that having that kind of blank slate for your imagination especially when you're nuts like botine is we end up getting something like the thing people still you know who've never seen it before today will go you know that was pretty good you know <laughs> so yeah i mean you can't it's unimpeachable it's right, it's right. immortal it's the thing so yeah boom yeah. number one so i just finished last i think it was last week uh, me and my uh other podcast partner mark radlich did a show on the corner okay so throughout the movie or throughout this six episode series called the corner there is a character by the name of gary played by tk carter and you're, yeah, you're talking time. about the David Simon one, right? Right, right. Yeah, the whole time, I'm like, show. where have I seen this guy before? <laughs> and then it finally clicked, of course, hop on the IMDb. I'm like, well, yeah, the thing. Yeah, the, man, I cannot tell you how many times I have watched the thing just either with, uh, you know, those are some of the, my favorite memories are watching VHS movies with my dad or sitting here with the kids and watching the movie. And the thing was one of my favorite movies to show them because, you know, the kids are running around here like last year playing among us. Mm. And that game, if you guys have ever heard of it is pretty much the thing it, it, it's, it, there's a, a saboteur, uh, an alien that's infected. One of the people in the game is basically, you got to figure out who that person is. And that's what we get here. It's, just it, it, you watch the horror unfold physically in a lot of these people, but then you start to watch the horror also unfold emotionally and how these people are interacting with uh, with each other. The distrust, you know, the violence that can sometimes happen because of, you know, what is happening in this movie. Um, great creature feature, man. I, I agree 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, it's not on my list because I knew there was no chance it wasn't going to be. On <laughs> it would have been sad if we all three left it off the list. And we were like, what did we do? No, yeah, but he's but... right. That would never happen with me. <laughs> Anybody right. who knows me even. I mean, this is my favorite movie from my favorite director. So it's going to it's got to be there. I would yeah, I it... would I would kick my own ass. <laughs> right yeah it's it's fantastic it's probably you know scream maybe my favorite horror movie but 
The Thing is right there, and The Thing is definitely the better movie of the two. I think I might just like Scream a little bit more, maybe. Uh, but they're both outstanding, and and no question, uh, you know, The Thing is uh, a worthy number one of any creature features list. It's uh, sorry um, to interrupt, but I will tell you this: there's only a handful of movies that I wouldn't. We all have our foibles, and we all are judgmental to our own degree. And if someone's <laughs> like, you know, I think this is, I like this horror movie better than the thing. Mm. There's only a handful where I wouldn't silently judge that person to one degree <laughs> or another. I wouldn't be able to help it. Pardon me, be like, oh, all right, all right, party on, cool, <laughs> all right, but. Scream is one of those handful of movies like Texas Chainsaw or something like that. I can't argue with it. I, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Scream yeah. is, it's Scream. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't, yeah. For sure. So it's, uh, but yeah. so what I'm saying is I forgive you, man. <laughs> I forgive. Much appreciated. I, I yeah, the thing is, the thing's amazing. And it is, you, you know, another thing, it's, it's John Carpenter's best movie and he's, Probably my favorite director as well. And, you know, Big Trouble in Little China might be my favorite John Carpenter movie. But the thing is definitely his best movie. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. That's another situation where I love John Carpenter so much. There's at least five movies that people could say, this is, I think this is his best one. And I go, you know what? I get that. Rock on. (laughs) Uh, But my top three uh, creature features... Again, Tremors is on my list. You know, I considered a lot of like a lot of the movies you guys mentioned. Uh, Alien is one I considered pretty heavily, yep. but um, at the end of the day, I was like that movie. You don't really see the creature that much in that movie. And when I think of creature features, it seems like you should probably see the monster more <laughs> than, than you do an Alien. So I'm with Tremors, which we've already you know discussed quite a bit. Also on my list is Mimic, Gilmero del Toro's uh, nice. late 90s, I think 98 maybe. I did okay. consider putting Hellboy 2 on there because there's a lot of great creatures in that, but it, it feels wrong not picking a Guillermo del Toro movie, so thank you <laughs> for picking up that slack because yeah, Guillermo I, and creatures, you know, that's <laughs> hand in hand. Yeah, I love uh, Mimic, and you know we actually didn't we do a live tweet on Mimic? Uh, we did. It's kind of underseen, it seems like, and, and underappreciated a little bit because well, I don't I don't really know why, <laughs> but uh, I think it's it, definitely underappreciated. A lot of people I see that do talk about it, it's just a lot of well, I guess it's okay. Mm. And I mean, you know, people are entitled to their opinion. I think it kicks ass. Yeah, I love that flick. Yeah, it's essentially it. some uh, scientist. They're working on a cure for some kind of a children's disease. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, uh, it's a, a fatal disease for children. Yeah, it's like a it's like an epidemic, and they come up with a cure, but the cure has side effects that essentially lead to giant cockroaches in the you know human sized cockroaches in the in the sewers that giant attack. murderous cockroaches yes. that kill uh, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, it, it's not afraid to go for, you know, the child murder um, and uh, consumption. Uh, but yeah, a lot of cool uh, effects. Like with Tremors 2, there's some uh, CGI that's pretty good for the time. It's not seamless, you know, nowadays, but it's still pretty good for the time. <laughs> some great performances from especially Charles Dutton and Mira Sorvino, who I really like. And you know, kind of always wondered what happened to her. She's not really in stuff anymore. And then we found out, oh, it's because Harvey Weinstein is a fucking monster. And that's why her career stalled out. So that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but Mimic is really good. Jesse, you ever seen Mimic? Yeah, I watched it shortly after it probably came out on VHS. I didn't go to the theaters to watch this, but I remember it being like talked about as 
one of the better movies. Uh, and I really enjoyed when I watched it because it was pretty, it was, I think it lived up to the hype, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. I didn't come away with it going, gosh, this is a, this is a trash movie. Didn't they, they did some sequels, right? Yeah, there are some sequels direct... that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, recall, I never saw I rec- any of the sequels. Okay. Yeah, but I do recall, you know, the hype of the movie at the time. So released in 97, which, uh, yeah, that puts it right about the time that, you know, I'm, I'm again getting movies and watching them with my friends. So, but yeah, I, I recall watching it and enjoying it. I don't recall thinking it was a bad movie at all. It's weird. I think it's one of those because I remember uh, I share your memory of it. That's pretty much how it was with me and my friends. We went and saw it in the theater and had a great time and talked it up. People that we knew who had also seen it also seemed to enjoy it. When it hit video, we all rented it and watched it together again. Everyone had a good time with it. And it wasn't until years later you're online and you realize that, oh, when people talk about it, they're like, they either don't like it and call it a piece of shit or they're like, yeah, I guess it's all right. It's weird how that happens that you think, oh, my memory is that everyone liked this. And then you find out years later, oh, no, 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 I guess, I guess right. everyone hates it and I suck. Okay, cool. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't think I saw it in theaters. I can't really remember for certain, but I do know, you know, my local video store was the Hollywood video, uh, you know, by the time I was like a junior or senior in high school. And so this is around the time previously viewed movies were like you could get five movies for, you know, $15 or whatever. And so I ended up with a, a previously viewed copy of Mimic and me and my buddy watched it over and over and over. And we would we would quote it to each other a lot. You know, a lot of cool younger, like a younger Josh Rowland, not as young as he was in The Goonies, obviously. He was, you know, he was a, a full grown man and everything. But his <laughs> career wasn't as uh, as big as it is now. Uh, yeah. He was in it. And then Norman, Norman Reedus was in it pre Boondock Saints. So a pretty cool cast. Rowland well. also did another movie for Miramax almost right around that time uh the night watch movie with uh ewan mcgregor do you guys remember that i remember that and i think i might have rented it like in the lead up to phantom menace because i wanted to watch some stuff he had been in but i don't uh, remember anything about it it's fine it's a re- uh, the director who did it had made it and had made the same i mean it's a remake of his own movie he was like a finished director uh, okay. or something like that some Scandinavian country and he remade his own movie for Miramax. And as we have learned in the years since uh, he, like everyone else who made movies for them around that time, aside from maybe Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez had just a horrible, hellacious time making that movie for the Weinsteins. And it's not that great, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it's just rolling of that era was making movies like that. It was in parts like that, even in something good, like mimic, he did not, he was not blessed with a starring role. Yeah. A couple years later, he's in Hollow Man, and he's still the third, you know, the second male lead. <laughs> All right. Well, the third creature feature for me was a little more recent, uh, Slither from 2006. Ah, yeah. It's a good <laughs> one. I didn't even think about that, and I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, James Gunn, was that his directorial debut? I think he did it that was. before he did the, the uh, Rain Wilson superhero movie, didn't he? Yes. Yes. He did that, and uh, then he did Super. Yeah. Yeah, so Slither about an alien creature lands on Earth and infects Michael Rooker mm. and in this small mountain town, and then he in turn infects other people. Owes a lot to Night of the Creeps, definitely. Would have uh, also been a worthy creature feature yes, top three? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And as over the course of the movie, Michael Rooker becomes more and more grotesque. Very funny. Grant. Grant. Yeah. I love uh, that I his mean, character's name is Grant Grant. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I apologize. But that's just one of the most ridiculous things I ever heard. I love oh, it. Oh, man. 
Grant Grant. Uh, but unbelievable cast between Rooker, Nathan Fillion, uh, Elizabeth Banks, and I'm blanking on his name, the uh, mayor. Greg Henry. Greg Henry, yes, yes. He's he might be this the guy who steals the show in that movie. He, he's he's great and I love that movie and it's you know obviously half comedy, <laughs> you know, half horror. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You mentioned Greg Henry and I'm hearing him say Martian being a general term for outer space cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Begging for Mr. Pibb. <laughs> uh, Jesse, you seen Slither? Oh yeah, yeah. We just watched this. I watched this again. Uh, had to, you know. Again, this was a family film. <laughs> we Man, sat down. Your family and, nights are awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. We sat down and watched. Uh, we sat, I think it was about. I, I want to say it was like a couple months ago. It has been on my radar to watch it like for a year now, and we just never. We would sit down and we'd find something else to watch. I was like, okay, we've got to watch Slither. You got you. You kids got to watch this. This is so gross, and it is gross. Uh-huh. I mean, it is, it is, oh my goodness, there is some nastiness that happens in this movie. Yeah, it owes a little oh. bit to um, society as well, I think, with the shunting towards the end. Oh, I don't know if you've oh, yeah. seen that, but. Yeah, yeah it, it was a, a good good movie to be on the list, that's for sure, because this you, you don't know what this thing is, uh, and, you know, the small town's trying to deal with it as best as they can. Michael Rooker is just so over-the-top creepy, but you start to wonder is like is he is he going to kill this you know is he going to kill his girlfriend i think his, mm. his fiance at the time i can't remember if they got married but anyway they were married at that point uh, yeah. okay so you're just wondering if that's what's going to happen and it's almost you know it gets that close and then he just doesn't do it because he actually loves her um, yeah. but man does it it gets and you so... do feel for him as the movie you know he's yeah. He can't really help anything that's happening to him, basically. No, no, no. And uh, I mean, the the one iconic scene is the woman that's in the barn yeah. when they find mm-hmm. her and she's you, know, I, you don't understand how she could possibly get that big. But she's pretty big <laughs> and she's filled with those worms mm. and then she explodes. It's, ooh, it's so nasty. But yeah, great, great flick. Great pick, too. Yeah, I remember watching that in the theater and being really excited, you know, by the trailers and stuff. And you were saw it opening weekend, <laughs> and then it just died. Like it made no money. Oh! <laughs> and it was like a huge bomb. I was kind. Of, I was so disappointed. And then I, you know, obviously I got it on on DVD. But it, it's it's gained a pretty, I think, pretty good following. You know, in the years since. But yeah. Oh, it's a pretty decent sized cult classic. I mean, Screen Factory put it out. Yeah. Yeah. I will ask you guys. You know, that was your that was your third one, right, Chris? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So of the movies we just listed, we listed nine of them. How many of them do the creatures meet their demise by either explosion or fire? <laughs> Pretty much all of them, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, I'm trying to think of the ones I should have kept the tally as we were going through. Because I know well, the thing. Krampus doesn't die. Well, cr- yeah, Krampus doesn't die. But, I mean, how about... Uh, the end of the movie results in fire as he takes him down to hell. How's that? True, true. Okay, sure. I'll back into that somehow. So, um, will you ever have to t- battle any creatures? Make sure there are some explosives. <laughs> yeah, and, some explosives and a flamethrower. All right. That's a shit fuck crazy weapon. So says Rick Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I um. Anything else about creature features before we move on to some other stuff? They're awesome. Oh. People should watch as many of them as they possibly can. <laughs> Woohoo! Movies are great. Out of those nine, there's plenty more, too, that were deserving oh, yeah. to be on the list. Check it out. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about 
the summer of 2002, so we're to the 20th anniversary. That was the first summer that I worked at a movie theater. So I got hired ah. in as a projectionist, luckily, the week that Spider-Man came out. Wow. <laughs> uh, that summer. Uh, it was a, We had an old theater in our town. It was closing down. They were building a new one. A buddy of mine got a job there. He told me they were looking for more people. So I actually was hired in as a projectionist and spent the first few weeks like installing the projectors, helping set up everything. Uh, and then we opened the weekend that fan or that Attack of the Clones came out. So that was a big summer for me because, you know, I, that was when I was I was kind of already seeing everything, you know, as a just a movie fan. But then once I was getting to watch them for free, I was really seeing everything. <laughs> so uh, what kind of stands out? For uh, for you guys, as far as the summer of 2002, the big the big movies that summer, Jesse. Ooh, well, uh, let me paint the picture where I'm at there in 2002. So you say you're at the theater. Well, guess what? I'm in a mall working at the arcade at this nice. time, and a lot of our business depended upon the theater. So if the theater did well, you can count on the arcade doing well because mm. that business bled over to us a lot. We were, of course, positioned walking distance from the theater. The food court was in the middle. We had the theater over here and, you know, then the arcade was on the other side. So we were within sight, right within walking distance from that theater. Now, 2002, I remember Spider-Man dropping. This was a movie I had to go see in the theaters. Now, I don't mm. get to the movie theaters very often. I, I Mainly, it's... Matter of money. Back then, we didn't have a whole lot, but Spider-Man wasn't something I was going to be missing. <laughs> you know, right. that was something I was going to go watch. Me and I took uh, two of my friends and, of course, my wife at the time, and we all went and saw it. And, I mean, I don't know what else to say about the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I mean, it was <laughs> it was great. It was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think uh, what else stuck out. I mean, I was looking at the list of what came out. One of the things that you could tell... If it was going to be a summer blockbuster season hit, you paid attention to the lines at the theater because they would sometimes we were so close to the theater that the line to the uh, to the ticket booth would actually bleed in to the arcade. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if it were I can I know it wasn't this year. It must have was Shrek 2001. Um, I think so. Okay, I, I mean, I could be off. I didn't see it on the list here, so I know it wasn't in 2002, at least I'm pretty sure. But I remember when Shrek hit, you know, we had a line going through, you know, all the way into our arcade and around the back of the arcade. Spider-Man was very similar. So, it, it I mean, you, you just couldn't escape the, you know, how, how massive that movie was. What else do we have that drops Men in Black 2? You said Star Wars. You mentioned Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I, I believe Spider-Man ended up being the biggest movie of the year. I think it outgrossed even Attack of the Clones that year. So it, it was did. huge for comic book movies. You know, X-Men is kind of the one that opened the door for comic book movies, or superhero movies anyway, mm -hmm. uh, it seems like. But then Spider-Man was the one that opened the floodgates. <laughs> and after that, they, they were just left and right. But yeah, Attack of the Clones also obviously did well. It's the worst Star Wars movie probably, but I like it anyway. <laughs> so so yeah, those were probably the two biggest movies of the summer. Uh, looking yeah. through, I, I mean, I, I could tell you some of the movies, well, most of these movies I didn't go see in theaters. Mm-hmm. But man, did I really enjoy what I got after they got released on DVD and I was able to rent them. Minority Report, 
solid yeah. movie. I really enjoy that movie. Reign of Fire is probably, of all the things my wife does not like, she didn't like dragons, as in they creep her out. <laughs> like, and I, it's the weirdest like phobia. She, Because I remember we watched Reign of Fire, and according to this, released July 12, 2002. We didn't go to the theaters, but when it came out on DVD, it's it's not your, you know, it, it, it's definitely not your happy-go-lucky dragon movie. This is mm-hmm. a this is a horror movie when you look at it. And she was kind of she was definitely on the edge of her seat, turning her face when we were watching that. And I was like, man, what a strange! But I love that movie. And Matthew McConaughey in it as this he's like this badass warrior. Christian yeah. Bale as well. Um, you know, I saw Reign of Fire. You know, when it was out in theaters, and I don't think I've ever revisited it i i kind of would like to just because i don't remember much about it but i do remember being kind of underwhelmed i was super excited when it was come when the trailers were out and everything and then when i saw the movie i was like oh, it was pretty good but i didn't love it so i never have it's, watched it again I, I think it would hold up for you pretty good now if you were to revisit it you'd be like oh okay i got it on blue just a few months ago actually i saw it in the theater too and i loved it like uh, jesse said it's it's got a real horrific element to it you know dragons are bullshit they don't exist but the movie's like <laughs> what if they did like yeah. let's treat it like like if they really did like how would you have to live yeah how would you have to try to protect yourselves or survive and wasn't I, it set I up where that. like sorry wasn't it set up like where society progressed as normal and then all of a sudden dragons were alive again yeah, he uh, they get awoken in like this yeah. big cavern, you know, thing like a dig and they come out and post-apocalyptic the world like pretty. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they rain a fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that one's uh, rad. I I, uh, I was really happy I got to see them in the theater. I, I got lucky to see stuff like Minority Report. And that was the summer of the born identity, mm-hmm. which, you know, it still kicks ass. I mean, I'm not going to be like. I always thought Damon was kind of a Streisand, but he kicks ass in this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not Paul Rudd in 40-year-old virgin, but right. I, I did definitely dig it. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, that one still holds up because yeah, you I can't love... have the same argument with that one that you can with the Greengrass directed sequels about the shaky cam and all that shit. Yeah. I, uh, I like Born Identity a lot. I don't, you know, the only, I, I've kind of maintained over the years, there are two good Jason Bourne movies and Matt Damon's only in one of them. <laughs> Because uh, the only, ones, Ooh, I, the only ones I really like are Identity and um, Legacy. Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like Legacy a lot when it came out. I, but I've never really liked any of the other. I mean, they're okay. I don't think they're bad necessarily. I just didn't really <laughs> like them all that much. Well, but the first one is is definitely my favorite. Okay. So that was I th- a pretty good summer. Yeah. I. Well, what else showed up there? Men, Men in Black 2, which I had listed here. Is that right? You, got, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I don't really <laughs> like any of the Men in Black sequels. They're they're all kind of like, eh, they're all right, but okay, except yeah. for the one with Chris Hemsworth, which is bad. I thought. <laughs> Haven't yeah. seen that one yet. I do like three. I I never really liked two. It's fine. It's yeah. my so August second, two thousand two. Sign. Yeah, Mel Gibson. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> again, I, crazy, crazy movie. Really did enjoy it. This is M Night Shyamalan. I don't remember what it was doing at the theaters. I just remember people coming out of it and saying it was really good. Uh, but I re- definitely remember watching it. Uh, it sh- I think it was in the winter of 2002. And uh, it it creeped me out. It was, it was <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like... I think Science was the last Shal- uh, Shyamalan 
Shalom. I can't. I can't even remember how to say it now. <laughs> I think it was the last M Night movie that I really liked uh, a whole lot, and I love this first three. You know, Unbreakable is probably my favorite, and then Signs and Six Sense I love as well. I get really annoyed with the people that like want to complain about them landing on a planet of water yeah. when they're allergic to water. Yeah. <laughs> like that is the dumbest reason to not like the movie <laughs> for a million reasons. Like maybe they're desperate. There aren't any other planets around here, so <laughs> I don't know. Right. Like I don't. Yeah. Just that. Just that argument never made sense to me. Plus, the movie isn't really about that. It's about like recovering your faith and your family. It's not. I don't know. I love that movie though. Yeah, it's a it's a great way to kind of intertwine. Uh, well, you, you know, you have two very different concepts here. You got a man of faith who lost his faith, and the only thing that that brings him back to his faith is the fact that there are aliens. That exists. <laughs> you know, it's really strange when you think about that, but it's a, you know, as far as a movie goes, you can't argue point A to point B when you finally get through to the end. So, uh, Signs is great. I think I saw that three times in the theater because I kept taking nice. different people to see it. You know, yeah, that was the honeymoon period where M. Night couldn't do any wrong. Yeah. Between right. Sixth Sense and Signs, you know? And I think it, what's fascinating about those three movies, especially to me, is. If you break it down and look at it, what he did is really impressive in that he took major studio money to make what are in concept or uh, plot or story, whatever you want to assign it. They're like you could say they're the the basis for a lot of summer blockbusters with signs. It's an alien invasion with Unbreakable. It's comic books or superheroes with uh, the Sixth Sense. It's like a ghost story. But he he takes all of those subjects with major studio money. And instead of making a summer blockbuster out of them, he approaches each of them like you would an indie film. Mm -hmm. And no one that I remember had ever really done something that way before. Because they're, like you said, uh, Signs is about a guy who's lost his faith. The Sixth Sense is about, I mean, you could say it's about the family dynamic, which is there in Signs too. It's just, it's, it's treated more like an independent, smaller, more intimate thing. But the canvas is usually blown up so much for other movies of that type and when he did it with those three movies i think he did it exceedingly well all those movies are awesome agreed <laughs> for sure another one i wanted to kind of point out i don't have a whole lot to say about it i don't think i've seen it since 2002 maybe a couple years after that i rented it maybe but um insomnia which was the second big christopher nolan movie and I really liked it then, you know, Al Pacino as a cop in, I believe, Alaska, trying to find a killer. And it's Robin Williams who's murdered a girl there. I mean, you know that pretty early in the movie. <laughs> but um, a lot of people, I remember the kind of the critique of it after he had done Memento and kind of made a splash with that, that they're like, well, he was he's kind of playing it safe with this movie. It's kind of a standard, you know, cop drama. Uh, which is, I guess, kind of fair, but it's a really well-made and really, a really good one. But I haven't seen it, you know, since maybe 2003 or so, 2004 or so. But uh, yeah, Insomnia was a kind of a big deal when it came out. And I, I guess he did Batman after that. I don't think he did anything in between Batman Begins. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think I watched this on DVD as well. I don't, I think the only thing I remember taking away from this, other than the fact that, I mean, oh my gosh, Robin Williams, he's a bad guy. What's, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, uh, but the... The fact that you could go to some place on Earth where it doesn't get dark, just yeah. it's I mean, uh, obviously science has proven it happens. But I, it's for some reason my mind can't even comprehend <laughs> what it would be like to have to be someplace in just perpetual daylight. And 
I, I think that adds an element. Well, that's the only element that I kind of remember faithfully from this movie. It's been a long time since I watched it. I watched it one time with the wife, and then that was it. And that, and but yeah, Christopher Nolan. I had no idea that he directed it. So neat stuff. You know, you mentioned uh, Williams in kind of a a different role for him. I actually don't really like Robin Williams that much um, as a comedic actor. I find him annoying sometimes. <laughs> like, is, he, he's just, is he a little extra? He's a little too much sometimes for me. <laughs> and there are exceptions like as the genie in Aladdin, the voice of the genie, he's really good. Mrs. Doubtfire, I liked that movie a lot when I was younger. I haven't watched it in a long time. But um, but yeah, in Insomnia, I think he's great. And he was really good in One Hour Photo uh, a couple years after this, where he's also playing a really creepy dude. <laughs> so I like his dramatic. I think I might like him more as a dramatic actor than a comedic actor. But I can see that. The only other ones I wanted to kind of mention, Lilo and Stitch, the Disney movie from that year. It was the first movie that I actually uh, built uh, as far as like putting the reels together and stuff uh, at, at the theater. So that was kind of cool for me. To, it's like it, that was my first experience doing that. And I rewatched it recently with my niece or I tried to get her to watch it. She's um, about to turn three. Oh, OK. Um, and she just didn't have a whole lot of interest in it. She watched part of it, but she lost interest pretty quickly. But um, kids, kids these days, I yeah. Guess. But it's a but it's a cool you know <laughs> it's a it's cool for a Disney movie because it's like an alien in it. I thought that was kind of neat. And the other one was Minority Report. You mentioned it also, and that's a movie I didn't watch for like fifteen years. And then a few years ago, I watched it again, and I was like, this movie's blowing my mind. <laughs> I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> I was uh, so impressed. It, it's it's such a weird. It's like a sci-fi noir movie with a lot of Spielberg, like you know, comedy bits, you know, here and there. It's just it's such a weird blockbuster, you know. And I didn't really appreciate it when I liked it when it came out, but I didn't really appreciate how uh, unique it was when it came out. And I really love it now. I like when I rewatched it a couple of years ago. It became one of my favorite movies. So that's pretty much all I got for 2002. If you guys have anything else. To say on any of those, or you got any other ones you want to shout out? We're not going to talk about like Mike. Oh well, it's funny because my son—I'm not kidding you. Apparently, he found the films on YouTube. All right, so you can watch the movies with ads. And right. I walked into his bedroom yesterday, and he's like, "Dad, look at this!" And it, I mean, he wasn't completely, totally over the top excited because he knew how goofy it was. But there, <laughs> there is this—you know, twelve-year-old kid who's doing flips and dunking the ball, and I'm like, "What are you watching?" Like Mike? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> no, we are not going to talk about like Mike. Okay. <laughs> did, he, did he then discover Bow Wow's music as well? Oh, no. I I hope not. If he has, he hasn't he made me turn on Spotify or anything like that. So that's good. Um, I mean, Spy Kids 2. All right. I'm not going to talk at length about it because I didn't go see it in the theater. But I will say that. That is a that's a franchise that got played a lot here in the house. You know, the kids really <laughs> enjoy that. So that's there. But I don't nothing think I've else. Seen any Spy Kids movies, but I respect Robert Rodriguez for making them because he wanted to make cool movies for kids. And they are. They aren't you know, bad. They're cool. not horrible. I, I just don't. I just never watch them. I think Mich- believe Danny Trejo is Machete in <laughs> in that in those films, if I remember correctly. I think he's credited somehow. Or you can tie a, a tie, you can draw a parallel. But uh, anyway, yeah, I don't have really a whole lot else to say about what I'm seeing that dropped in 2002. I, I mean, I, I will echo what you guys were saying about the porn identity. I, I kind of enjoyed that when we watched. 
it was, it was way after all of the movies dropped. Me and the wife watched Born Identity, and we were like, dang, this is actually really good. And we watched the rest of them, and we may not have been as impressed. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I did I did enjoy the, the first Born Identity for sure. That's about all that strikes, uh, jumps out at me. Cool. Um, all right, AJ, anything else? You know, just the divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood. But I mean, I think I'm scheduled to talk about that on another podcast. So I'll just go ahead and put a pin in that shit. But no, I think we talked about the big ones, uh, the fun ones, the ones that stand out. Aside from, of course, you know, my big fat Greek wedding. But again, (laughs) another time and place. Yeah. All right. Well, I kind of wanted to bring in like a new segment we may do regularly as well. We talk about like trailers that have kind of dropped lately. Um, So I've got a few here that I thought were interesting. So these are movies that are coming out in the in the months to come and i've got a tv show listed as well so i'll go ahead and throw these out and if you guys have any you want to bring up you know feel free as well first one i was gonna uh, mention was rings of power the lord of the rings amazon series you guys seen there's two trailers a trailer dropped for san diego comic-con i think yesterday and then there is one a few weeks ago that it dropped as well but uh they're fairly similar but they look like it's could be pretty good i love the the, the film series, Peter Jackson. I love the Peter Jackson uh, Lord of the Rings movies. I don't really like the Hobbit movies that much. And this is looking like it's more like a prequel. I assume it's supposed to be in the same continuity as the, maybe not. I don't, because I mean, they're, the movies are different from the books. I don't know that it's supposed to follow, the show is supposed to follow the books more or films, but I think this is all original stories. I don't think that they're based on any of Tolkien stuff as far as I'm aware, but uh, they look pretty pretty good and, and have a similar vibe to the Peter Jackson. Have you guys seen the uh, rings of power trailers? Either of them? Yeah, they look good. <laughs> I, will, I, I have not seen them. I, now here's the thing. I saw a still saying, Hey, these trailers have dropped. And I was like, Oh, who's that? And, and I recognized, I think it was, is it Galadriel? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, okay. So, uh, obviously it's, a, you said it was a prequel. You could tell she's really young in this, but I, I haven't heard anything bad. I haven't heard anything good, but uh, I haven't watched them either. So can't really comment other than I do like me some Lord of the Rings. I, I don't know what he, it, I don't know too many people around my, uh, let's just say my circles here locally, including my family that can actually sit through them for some reason. I like them. But they don't. So yeah, I, there's I, other I people them. out there. I, I have trouble now watching them just because it's like, well, I want to watch the extended editions, but I don't have four and a half hours, <laughs> right, dude, to devote like, to it. So I have to I try mean, and find times to yeah get yeah. Re-watched. You just gotta you just gotta somehow figure out a way of making it a ten episode series. Yeah, and you know, divide it into ten, and then you feel like it's a TV show. Maybe I don't know. I, that's that's the same way I am. It's like, oh man, four <laughs> hours for this show, uh, four hours for this movie. I can't do that. Let's watch ten hours of a a TV show instead. All right, let's binge it. So I, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's hard to know where where to draw the line sometimes, and actually yeah. go, okay, sit down and enjoy this thing. You've been wanting to do it for a while. Yeah. As far as the movies go, about eight months ago on January first, New Year's Day. We watched all three Lord of the Rings extended cuts on Blu-ray. Nice. We literally did it. Huh? Yeah, we did it all day. (laughs) Wow, dude. That's amazing. It is the second time I have done that. (laughs) Man. I did it before a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a day. Right. It's a day, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Man, I see. That's something I'd love to do, but I I just I wouldn't be able to get the TV for that long. Luckily, yeah, I, uh, I've, cool I've done that a few times with uh, some of the Star Wars movies when I was younger. And then more recently, maybe four years ago, 
I fired up the Matrix, and I was like, this is at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I want to watch the other two. So I just watched all three of them, you know, back to back to back. But it's something that, you know, is fun, but it it's like you got to be in the right. For me, I've got to be in the right mindset and know that I'm not going to get tired and that, you know, I'm really anxious to watch, you know, those again or whatever. So but I love those, uh, the extended editions as well. So uh, it's something that I've thought about doing, but I've never actually had a chance to. <laughs> it is worth your time. <laughs> yeah, the the show doesn't seem to have a whole lot of like the trailers for the for the Rings of Power show. It's mostly more like showing the tone that they're going for, it seems like. And yeah, and uh, it looks cool. I'm, I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, it feels like that world that we were introduced to in the movies. Yeah. And yeah, I'm hopeful. The other one I wanted to bring up is coming to Hulu. It's Prey, the I guess sort of a Predator prequel. Jesse, have you seen this trailer? No, uh, I, some other people I know were talking about it though. This this is is it a show or is it a movie? A movie. A movie. Okay. All right. No, I haven't seen anything about it. I've just heard people, you know, mention that it was going to be happening, but no yeah. clue as to what to expect. I don't know what year it's set in, but it's around the. I think it's around the time of the American Revolution, or maybe a little later, maybe the 1800s. And it's about a Native American girl that's. Uh, oh yes, I've seen. Drive, I guess from a, a predator. I've seen stills it, of this. That's crazy. Yeah, it looks. Uh, it looks great. I think uh, AJ. What have you? Have you seen the trailer? Oh, yeah. I've watched every the teaser and then the trailer. And <laughs> yeah, they put it, quite a few out. They had a premiere Friday, I want to say. No, Thursday night, um, just a couple of days ago in San Diego. Uh, nice. That, you know, the only time it's going to be on theaters because it's going to Hulu. And the advanced word is very good. I thought it looked great. Oh, good. I mean, I'm stoked. And apparently it goes, even though in the trailer you see the, the iconic three-dot laser sight you know mm-hmm. i saw some some things said where it the hunting and the fighting and all that it goes low tech with it which i think is you know yeah bring it <laughs> yeah nice yeah it looks very cool i'm kind of hot or cold on the predator franchise as a whole you know i like obviously we talked about earlier the first one's a classic no, no question i really like predator 2 uh, a lot i think it's a cool like came out in the early 90s but it's like a cool 80s action movie with a predator in it <laughs> Yeah, um, and the aliens versus predator movies. I'm not too big on those. I you like. know what? What a failure of a fantastic concept! <laughs> Isn't that just disgusting that you made? They made movies that people don't like that are alien versus predator. It should have been like the greatest films ever. But nope, we had somebody. They had to screw it up. <laughs> well, I don't really hate either one of them, but I don't think that either one of them are very good either. I'm just kind of lukewarm on them. Should be uh, the most the, greatest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first one is all right. I enjoy it more than I don't. I think it's mainly because of Sanaa Lathan, who I think is great in the mm-hmm. the Ripley part, basically. And this, you know, Requiem is, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> I remember how excited we that's were. One thing exactly yeah, before. everybody was excited because it's going to be rated R. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. And then... It's like, well, I guess we got the gore we wanted, but did we get yeah. the story we wanted? No. I really like Predators, though. I'll say that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say Predators That's is a great really, it's really good. What about The Predator? I haven't seen it. I think there's some really good stuff in it, and I wish the studio <laughs> had let Shane Black do whatever it was he was trying to do, because you can kind of feel in the third act that right. there's been some tampering. Yeah, not not great, but, yeah, I'm, you know. I was... 
I was so excited for that one, and it, it ended up being pretty disappointing. But there are things that I like in it. But yeah, not yeah, like you said, not great. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Uh, there's a an inter- Shane Black was on Joe Dante's podcast, Movies That Made Me, about a year ago, probably, and the original Predator got brought up, you know, because he's in it, and they talk about that for a few minutes, and then there's like a pause, and Shane Black goes. Well, I really screwed up that last one, didn't I? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I just laughed out real loud. It was, hey, at least he's aware. At least he's aware of it. Right, right, right. Uh, but I, like you said, uh, AJ, I think a lot of it is more to do with studio and the fact that I believe they were trying to get Arnold back as Dutch for a cameo mm-hmm. at the end, and they couldn't work it out, or maybe Arnold didn't want to do it or something like that. It didn't, And that kind of affected the way the movie ended, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, the other other uh, trailer I wanted to mention, and I'm gonna let AJ go first, Uh-oh. is the Monsters. Rob Zombies, the Monsters. Oh God! Let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> I shit. I will preface it by saying I was a very big fan of Rob Zombie movies. I went and saw House of a Thousand Corpses in the theater. Loved it. Raved about it to anyone who would listen. I have revisited it recently, and it doesn't play as well for me as it used to back in the early 2000s, and I find that sad. Uh, Devil's Rejects rules. Everything after that has been diminishing returns to me. I cannot stand his Halloween movies. Lords of Salem, while I admire him trying to do something different, did not work for me as well as it did other people. I think 31 is a fucking putrid pile of gorilla (laughs) vomit dog shit. Um, If I may be so critical and put on my technical critics hat yeah and the monsters you it's on, no i mean yeah I'm, <laughs> I, I actually am <laughs> i could go harder uh, the monsters just you know it just doesn't look great to me i know that there are some people that seem to legitimately be excited for it i think some people are fooling themselves i think they're like trying to convince themselves that they're going to like it because they do love rob zombie movies and i've been there with other directors i've been like no it 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 looks good really i i can't wait (laughs) and i think they're doing that to some of them but i think most of us just saw it and were like you know i i tweeted about it my reaction was you know universal let rob zombie make a monsters movie and he made something that looks like a 90s disney channel halloween town kind of bullshit oh wow i don't know it looks it looks terrible to me yeah just Mm. terrible and i think they're gonna have to answer to god for it (laughs) <laughs> you know god and baby wow. jesus both that's just me <laughs> uh jesse have, have you seen this trailer no i haven't seen this uh you know this has been one of those movies that i've been kind of watching the reaction to amongst people online just because i remember sitting there as a kid watching the black and white original tv series i think it was on syndication on tbs if i remember right and i love those episodes as a matter of fact i remember watching them again when they got they were on netflix like years ago if i remember right it's either netflix or hulu but so it it's a series that i'm kind of familiar with i know the characters pretty well and you know it's just goofy silly fun with these mon these monsters who are trying to you know acclimate themselves in the real world i have no idea what to expect with this movie though i i rob zombie in his directorial pedigree makes movies that 
listen, I know you guys watch horror movies on here. I've heard you guys talk. I listen to the shows. Trust me. I'm not watching any Rob Zombie flicks. <laughs> Just it's not. It, it isn't my style. I can I can take some gore. I can take some horror every once in a while. But he, you know, he has that level that he can take it to. That uh, it's just not my thing. So my biggest fear was that's what we were going to get with this. It doesn't sound like it from what AJ's saying. This is something that's <laughs> going to be a, a lot tamer. Have they said what it's going to be rated? I it's mean, PG. I. Okay. It's PG, right. and it does 100% look like a PG movie. I bet a lot of kids will probably love it. Yeah. Um. And and you can, I feel, you can tell that it is 100% genuine. He really does love the monsters. Um, okay. So I, I think that is better than him not doing it and doing it for purely mercenary money reasons, you know. <laughs> he, he does care about the monsters. I think that will matter to people who do love the That's monsters. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Does Has he ever made a PG film? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. This should be interesting. That's all I got to say. My goodness. I, I just, I mean, could you imagine if this hits and I've, I've already heard that it's not going over so well, but um, I, could you imagine if it hit and it was like the greatest, you know, one of the greatest Rob zombie films ever. <laughs> like, and he's like now known as this great PG director. <laughs> no interesting. Yeah. I, I, I need to watch the trailer to see what, uh, see what kind of vibe I get from it. But uh, from what I've seen, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm keeping my eye on it. it uh, I will say uh, real quickly, just to be positive about something. I like some of the uses of color in it. Yeah. Like it's real brightly colored and, you know, uh, there's some cool, some kind of cool visuals. I mean, just in the sense that it's like, oh, that looks cool, but it also does look really cheap. And that doesn't that doesn't help it look cool, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I was going right. to say I showed the trailer to my buddy and his first reaction after it was over was like, why does this look cheaper than the old 60s TV show? <laughs> like, this, what's going on? Oh, um, man. But yeah, I, I, I watched that trailer and I was just like so perplexed. I just was like, what what is this? I don't get <laughs> which I, you know, I watched the monsters when I was a kid on Nick at Night or whatever. You know, I kind of liked it. I don't. You know, kind of like a family does. I couldn't tell you the plot of a single episode. I don't really remember. Maybe the tone of this trailer is perfect for the Munsters. I have, I really don't know. I just think the movie looks, yeah, like you said, cheap. The colorfulness of it is is kind of garish. It is. And I think I like that because I like Italian horror movies from like the seventies and shit. <laughs> and it makes me think of those garish, lurid, bright primary colors. Yeah. In the, yeah mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it just seems like if I'm watching a movie full of this, it's going to hurt my eyes about 20 <laughs> minutes into the movie. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I And plus, like, I, you know, I heard, hey, he this is like a year ago. Oh, he, he cast Sherry Moon Zombie as Lilith. And I was like, well, that's not a big surprise. And I like, who cares? I don't really hate her. I don't have a problem with that. But then like, oh, he's going to cast his other buddy as Herman and his other buddy as grandpa. Like he's going to just use all of his regulars, which I like the guy that's playing grandpa. I can't remember Daniel Roebuck. Daniel Roebuck. He looks good. He looks um, like he's doing good. But yeah, the movie, it just doesn't look good. It looks weird and not entertaining, but you know, like you said, a lot of kids are probably going to like it. And it's, I mean, it's the munchers. It's kind of for kids. And so I don't have a big problem with it. I just, I'm not personally interested in watching it as far as zombie himself. You know, I, don't really like his movies in general. <laughs> like I saw House of a Thousand Corpses when it came out, and I remember thinking, like, I don't like this, but I, I kind of like the style of it. I think he could make a good horror movie. And then don't you, don't you like Jack- his Halloween? Haven't we discussed this? 
we we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so so then Devil's Rejects come out, and I was like, oh, it's a sequel to that movie I hated, so I'm not going to watch this. Uh, and I didn't. I didn't watch it until maybe five or six years ago. I finally watched it, and I was like, hey, this isn't very good. I like I thought. <laughs> look at that um, confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, I know I think you said you like that one, AJ. That's I do, uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I just didn't I just didn't care for it. And then Halloween came out, and when they announced Halloween remake Rob Zombie, I was like, hey, he could probably do something cool with that. I like his. I think he's a good director. I just didn't like his first couple movies, and I did really like Halloween, and I still blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't like Halloween too, and the only other movie of his that I've liked really is Thirty One, which. Obviously, you did not like it at all. Mm. And I didn't think it was great, but like, if I'm looking at Rob Zombie's filmography, I'm like, oh, I liked Halloween a lot. 31 was okay. The rest of it, I have no desire to ever watch again. So I'm not interested in the monsters either, really. Is there at least a, uh, a Rob Zombie esque cover of the original theme song during the trailer? It just sounds like the original song. Oh, okay. There it <laughs> I have it going through my mind because I'm looking at a picture of it right now. I'm like, that's all I can think of is the original theme song from the show. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for the trailers. You guys got any trailers that you've seen lately you want to? Uh, as you can tell, I, I I apparently live a sheltered life and do not. <laughs> I, I I do not watch any trailers whatsoever. For the life of me, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I've seen recently that uh, I, I usually you go, watch like most of the big trailers. But a lot of times I'll watch like the first minute and then to be like oh this is giving too much away <laughs> i'll just turn it off yeah yeah my wife uh, there's that <laughs> yeah i'm i'm kind of uh I'm, I'm in a bad spot to contribute here saw the new teaser for john wick 4 yesterday mm. uh, yeah i posted uh, that in the, in the chat i didn't have a chance to look at that yet if you like the john wick movies it's it is exceedingly your shit <laughs> it's mine too it's not I john wick on vacation it. no no this is full uncut john wick it's the good so stuff. the release date is in March, right, of next year? Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, it looks it looks badass. It's a short teaser; it's like a minute long, I think. But yeah, a lot of cool, a lot of cool action in there. Yeah, it's gonna roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, other than that, nothing really popping out that I'm. Oh, I liked the Halloween Ends trailer well enough. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. Right. It's a new Halloween movie. Of course, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> um, I even watched the Rob Zombie travesties. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, and I and as far as other trailers, I think you mentioned the series art. Did you mean the Sandman? I did not watch the Sandman trailer. I've never read any Sandman comics, so neither I'm not have I. Neither have I. Show. But it looks it looks wild, dude. Yeah, it's it gonna really? be cool. Oh yeah, I don't know the the source material at all, but it looks super cool. And again, I watched it with uh, my wife. She has read the comics and she just clapped when it was over. Just like, Oh, really? Oh good. yeah. She's, she said it's exactly what she would have hoped for. So yeah, that's good. cool. Yeah. All my friends who have read Sandman love it. I'm sure it's really good. I just have never really been interested and I've never forced myself to give it a shot. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll watch the trailer and I'll probably, you know, I'll probably watch the show when it comes out, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I haven't seen the trailer yet. Same. Uh, well, um, we're getting kind of long in the tooth here. <laughs> uh, let's kind of close out with anything you guys have been watching recently. You want to throw a shout out to, and we talk about it a little bit, uh, AJ. Yeah. I mean, I've watched, I watched it last night. I know it's already divisive. I had a lot of fun with the gray man. 
Oh, yeah. the Netflix show movie. Yeah, with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. It's just it just feels like a big dumb summer blockbuster. It's a lot of action. It's exciting. Is it the kind of action that like you could get like in a Scott Adkins movie where it's like very clean and choreographed well and you know, no, this is more Michael Bay, although I do like it more than like your typical Michael Bay. But, you know, if you like those kinds of movies, I I think it would deliver. I had a a hell of a lot of fun with it. And I will also only mention the night before we watched The Cursed, um, a new horror movie that dropped, like, I think back in February. Yeah, Um, it's I thought it kicked ass like, yeah, I really wanted to see that. And I missed it when it was uh, in theaters. So, well, yeah, it's out on digital and blue now. And man, I just it just it ticked all my boxes. It's it's kind (laughs) of arty and beautiful to look at. Very gothy, very uh kind of moody and atmospheric but also it's super fucking gory it does <laughs> not hold back i mean it like it goes hard like almost immediately i was like oh it's that kind of party cool okay have to kind of adjust in my seat kind of get get ready for it and it keeps hitting you with stuff it's cool i really dug it nice um, and oh and of course everything everywhere all at once Mm. Oh, yeah. my good man here providing me a copy for my birthday last month <laughs> Um, nice. Thank you again, dude. That is my favorite movie of the year so far. Awesome. I'm glad I, you liked that. I already it, watched it again last week. It's just, it's so good in every conceivable way. And I think it's <laughs> it's nuts that when it comes down to it, it's about stuff that you might have in your typical Oscar bait movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like how you kind of want to give up at times and nihilism is, is appealing in a world that's so crazy and things are so hard and, you know, and, and questioning love for your family or like, you know, just all that deep shit about what it is to be a human scrabbling around down here. But it, it touches on all those things in a movie where people have fucking hot dogs for fingers <laughs> and they're drop kicking each other through walls and shit. And there's multi, it's this whack out genre mm-hmm. extravaganza, but it's, at its heart, it's about real shit. And it really moved me by the end. Like I got, I got caught up in it and like it, it, it touched me. I was like, wow, you know, it, it blew me away, blew me away. I, I cannot praise it enough. Everybody should say it at least once. <laughs> yeah, it is good. So that's you saw that me. one as well, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. We watched that. Right. Uh, I mean, I, this was an anticipated film for me, Chris, you know, what kind of stuff that I like when it comes to like reading comics, this felt like exactly what I was going to want. Uh, <laughs> you, we, I went and saw uh, Dr. Strange, multiverse of madness. And then I saw this sometime shortly after that. Uh, and easily, uh, everything, everywhere all at once just trashed that epic (laughs) marvel film um i really yeah i had a i had a great time watching this and uh, a lot of fun man i mean i i laughed there's a lot of emotional points in it fantastic film highly highly recommended by a lot of people too i mean not only you guys talking about it friends of mine uh, or just that had a chance to watch it. I, I, one of my buddies was trying to get me to go with him to go to Columbus, which is about two and a half hours from where I live, to go watch it in uh, IMAX. Because he's like, trust me, you want to go watch this movie. This is going to be the greatest movie. I'm, I'm like, I, are you sure about that? I, I didn't go with him. But when they come back, him and a couple other buddies went, and they come back, and they're like, it, it was just everything that we expected. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, yep, it was good. It was good. <laughs> and it, it was a relief that it was so good because – you never know when you have so many people 
praising something so highly. It's not whether or not it's going to be good or bad. It's like, God, I hope it, I, I hope I right. like it as much as everyone else. Or I, yeah. you know, I hope, uh, I hope I don't feel like I saw something different. Mm-hmm. And that was not the case. <laughs> yeah. I right. think we all see the same movie when it comes to this one. Yeah, I agree. And the, uh, you know, it's, it's probably like 60% a comedy. Um, yeah. It's it's very funny throughout most of the movie, and you know the mild spoiler, I guess, but the scene in in the office building when she's fighting, and you realize, oh yeah, uh, I'll great. just say when when the security guard leaps over the desk. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing in the theater. Oh. I was just I was howling. Me and my buddy both that were was watching it with me we were howling. What a what a yeah, and it's awesome payoff. because you have a few seconds. Because it's slow mo, it's pretty hardcore yeah. slow mo too. Yeah. And so at the beginning of the leap, you're like, "Oh wait, is he?" And then he's Kristen, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god, he's gonna!" And it yeah. keeps going, and you're just like, "It's just anticipation." You're like, "Oh my god, I know what he's gonna do. I can't believe the movie's gonna do that." And then he does it, and then they blur it out, yeah. and then the other guy <laughs> does it, and it's just, yeah, that's just chef's kiss all the way on that. I show. wish I could tell you how long it took me to figure out because I must have missed the exp- explanation part of like, hey, they have to do something well, weird. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, why are these people doing these things? <laughs> and then finally, you know, oh, OK, I get it now. Um, I mean, it's not like they don't actually show you specifically how that happens. Or I should say, like, you, know, you got to do this and then it would route them to wherever they need to be. But it's just so uh, it's delightfully strange. Yeah. yeah. Super creative and inventive and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very unique movie. Uh, you got anything else? I do not. I do not. Um Watch more John Car- Carpenter and Walter Hill movies, everybody. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can tell you on my end of things, I don't uh, other than it's rare that I get a chance to sit down and watch movies. I'm watching a lot of TV lately. Um, uh, and I can tell you that I'm, I'm let's see. TV time has me at season two, episode 17 of Night Court right now. So <laughs> nice. I, I am I'm making my way. I don't know what caused me to be like, I want to go back and watch like all of Night Court. So through a friend of the Internet, I was able to find all the seasons and we are currently sitting down. Me and the wife are going through that. And then I think uh, I've got to I'm making my way back through the wire here pretty soon because we have to do that. The concept is, you know, I mentioned the corner. We're going to be doing all of David Simon's projects and, and oh. talking about each season. So we've already done the corner. We've done we did Homicide Life on the Street season uh-huh. Five, six, and seven. So now we're getting ready to head into the wire. So we're going to do a podcast on all the seasons. Each each season is going to get a dedicated po- podcast to it. We got Generation Kill on the agenda at some point. So that's going to be my TV life for a little while. It's a lot of <laughs> David Simon. <laughs> Luckily, he so, makes good stuff. Yeah, you can't you cannot deny that. Everything that I have watched is has. I mean, just some gravitas to it. It makes you appreciate what you're watching. It also makes you think. Um, yeah. And it also can, like, The Corner, even though I, I say it was the most depressing thing I've, I've watched, I think, ever. Yeah. Um, it made you thankful for what you have. So, and at some point, I got to start The Orville again. Uh, season mm-hmm. three of The Orville started, and I really enjoy that show. It's the uh, best Star Trek I've watched in a long time. Cool. Yeah, I, hear, I, will, I keep hearing uh, good things about Orville and I still haven't pulled the trigger on watching it yet, but I'd like to, I have not seen that either. uh, Well, you think it's, Oh man, it's going to be Seth MacFarlane. It's going to be stupid. There's some of that, but I will say that it has some of the 
if you like science fiction, especially like S- Star Trek type of thinking, there's plenty of that in that series. There is a- enough to make you go, wow, I wish this was a Star Trek episode and I would have got it there. But the Orville's doing it just fine. I-, I can tell you that we were really, really impressed with the first two seasons. And I'm glad they're back for a third. And from what I've heard, it's it's continued to be good. Cool. Yeah, I've always wanted to check it out because I heard like what you said that Seth MacFarlane's involvement is doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the show you would assume from hearing right. that Seth MacFarlane is in it or a, a big creative force because apparently he does love Star Trek and this is a very genuine attempt to do, you know, quality science fiction. Yeah, uh, with good characters and good stories. And so yeah, I'm I'm down to watch it. I would just like to also interject and say um that wire undertaking sounds like a very admirable thing to do. I think the wire is probably the best TV show ever made. Yeah, you're not I, the, you're not the it, first one I've heard that said that. That's Yeah. Funny. Most people go, you know, the wire or Sopranos or Breaking Bad now or now Better Call Saul, but the wire is just it's so rich and deeply rewarding the writing and the acting and the, the it's just it I, I i like to describe it kind of like the way pete townsend and the who did tommy which i know mm-hmm. sounds weird but i mean it's not just nuts that someone came up with the idea to do that but then they pulled it off pete mm. townsend's like i'm gonna do a rock opera and then he did it and it worked and it's a classic david simon's like i'm gonna do the great american novel but for television mm-hmm. and then he did that and pulled it off like just amazing amazing stuff good yep <laughs> awesome i haven't seen the wire so <laughs> Christopher, you are missing out sir i know i know i know i haven't seen breaking bad either so oh you're missing uh, out sir i've seen the first season of breaking bad and okay um see the thing with both of those shows is i kept having people tell me like oh you got to see the wire it's great you got to see breaking bad and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'll check them out. I, I'm excited to watch them. And then somebody else would say the same thing. And then those same people would tell me over and over again how much I need to watch them. And the more I would hear about it, the lower the priority became, <laughs> uh, which seems counterintuitive, but that's just the way it worked out. So uh, I still plan to watch The Wire. I've got HBO Max, so I can watch it yeah. pretty much anytime, I guess. And I do. I like the first season of Breaking Bad, and I plan to finish it at some point. I'll probably start over because it's been a while. Game of Thrones is another one that I watched the first season and never really got back onto it after that. So a lot of stuff to watch. I I want to watch Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) I just haven't had a chance to watch all of Game of Thrones at all, man. None of it. And I've I've wanted to so bad, but I I don't. When when it comes to like television shows here, you have to make a decision as to, okay, can the significant other actually enjoy themselves Mm -hmm. while watching this? And Game of Thrones is like one of those things where I'm like skirting the line. So I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to pull that one off. But I, man, and have I, I heard have some great to wonder if my dogs are going to enjoy watching, you know, Game of Thrones or The Wire with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Ask them. See what they think. All right. Well, we're running. We're running over. We're not, you know, I think we're still going to we're not going to break the record that we set with Second <laughs> Civil War. So um, but I've got a few things I was going to I was going to throw out and I'll kind of run through them a little quickly. After I watched everything everywhere all at once last week, I fire, I rented on because I couldn't find an available like DVD or Blu-ray of Yes, Madam. Have either of you seen that? It's an old yes. 80s Michelle Yao. I think it's her first movie. I, I have don't- not. I don't know if it's her first. It's one of her first, and it's got uh, Cynthia Rothrock in it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. And I had seen 
you know, the, the last fight scene in the movie, I'd seen it on YouTube or something like a year ago. And I'm like, man, that's fucking crazy. I, I, it was really cool. And then whenever the everything everywhere all at once, you know, I was hearing people talking about it on podcasts and stuff. And I heard people talking about Michelle Yao and they were like mentioning, yes, madam, it's like her first like great big, you know, first great role or the first like great movie she was in or whatever. I was like, well, I need to check this out. And I was like, oh, it's that same movie that I saw that fight scene in. Uh, so I decided to rent it, and me and my buddy watched it. And, uh, I <laughs> and I mean, I seconded him, so it's not just him saying it. But whenever Michelle Yao shows up on screen the first time, he's like, look at that babe. Holy cow. <laughs> he's like, that's Michelle Yao. Uh, which, I mean, Michelle Yao still looks great, you know, at in her late 50s and everything everywhere all at once. But, like, right. Uh, yeah, we were kind of taken aback at, at young Michelle Yao. <laughs> but Yes, Madam was really uh, super entertaining uh, uh, action kung fu flick from, from the mid-80s, I believe, 84, 85. I think it's 85. And yeah, that final fight is an all-timer. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Return of the Jedi, I, I caught that in a theater for the first time. So <laughs> I've now oh. seen all of the original, I, I guess I've seen all the Sp- uh, Star Wars movies uh, on a big screen now. I was too young when the original trilogy came out. I was born, I think, the day after, or maybe the day before Empire was released. And then, so I was like three when Jedi came out. I saw I saw A New Hope in 97 when they released them as special editions. And then I saw Empire during the pandemic when theaters were starting to open back up and show older movies. I caught it in uh, in my local theater. And then uh, the art house cinema in, in town was showing the trilogy this uh, the last couple weekends. So I caught Return of the Jedi. And that's and it was a special edition, so uh, not quite the same, but still cool to see on the big screen for the first time. You, especially like the stuff in Jabba's palace, you can kind of look at the background stuff, see more of the aliens, more detail and stuff like that. It was pretty cool experience. And a bonus that. ass kicking musical number. Oh hell yes! Yeah, <laughs> I rewatched The Void, which I've seen uh-huh. several times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that movie. It was a Actually, went to the Chattanooga Film Festival, 20, I think, 16 or 17. They had that there. I saw that, and I saw a hatchet re... I think it was a 10-year hatchet anniversary screening, some other cool movies. Nice. And so I, I fell in love with the movie then and immediately got it on Blu-ray, and I've watched it over and over since then. Awesome <laughs> special effects. Very cool, like, cross between sort of Princess of Darkness and Assault on Precinct 13, sort of. <laughs> I uh, love that movie. And I don't another, really know what's going on in that movie. I've seen it like three times, but I do love it. Yeah, you don't it's need to know. fun as hell to watch. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I mean, I realized after the first time, I was like, I'm not 100% sure what just happened in that, but it was cool as fuck to watch it go right. down. Right, right. Yeah. This is, and then this rewatching be... it does not help. <laughs> it doesn't help you understand it more. <laughs> this is this is uh, one on the checklist there for me, and I, I like to wa- make at least my daughter. She's the oldest of the kids. She's seventeen, and I like to make her and her friends watch movies where she is like, "What just happened?" <laughs> now, what was the movie that came out with Nick Cage? Color, color, color out of space. The color out color of space. Out. Made him sit down and watch that. And, oh, man, was that fun to watch their reaction. So The Void is probably one I'm going to be watching with them pretty soon. Well, I hope you got a parenting award for that because you certainly deserve (laughs) one, sir. (laughs) Appreciate that. Uh, You know, another movie at that film festival that I did not get to see at the festival, but I've since watched, I think, on Hulu, and now it's on Shudder, is uh, Dave Made a Maze. Have either of you seen that? No, No, but I really want to. I've wanted to see that for years. Yeah, I believe it's still on on Shudder. It is... 
such a unique, super creative, and I can't really, I don't want to say much about it because it would kind of give some, some stuff away and it's better to go in without knowing much, but I, I, I really like Dave Made a Maze and it's been one I've been wanting to, to rewatch again. Quick 4th of July recap, because I, I, tar- I tend to sort of watch a lot of like, you know, 4th of July type movies. There's not a whole lot of them, honestly. I was going to watch Jaws, did not get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched the the Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan movies for that oh. weekend, uh, which I love those movies. Patriot Games is very cool, but Clear and Present Danger is the is the one I prefer. And it's got an all-timer action sequence with the the alley uh, being attacked from the, from the missile launchers, you know. Um, love those movies, love Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan. Then I watched Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America flick. And as I do every 4th of July, I watch Independence Day and The Patriot. (laughs) Those are my go-tos for for 4th of July. You guys get on uh, any 4th of July type flicks? Independence Day is a great, well, let's just say I almost overdid that like I did Krampus every holiday. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they it's it's so good. We, We didn't sit down and watch any movies this 4th of July though. I think the reason why that happened though is because Stranger Things dropped. Yeah. And we were we were binging that. So we didn't watch too many movies if I remember right. I know we did Stranger Things. That's for <laughs> that, that was a necessity. <laughs> we don't do jaws on the 4th unfortunately. My wife is not a huge fan of jaws. She finds it kind of boring. Sorry to outer you like this, honey, but that's <laughs> just, um Hey, I had a friend that uh that didn't watch Jaws until recently, and he told me like, "Yeah, it was all right. It was kind of slow. I didn't really, I didn't really like it that much." Yeah, I, I don't think I she saw get it until saying, recently but... too. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying. I think it's the same situation. She didn't see it until within the last five years for the first time. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did. I know what you did last summer. That's uh, the first one because of 4th of July. And then because it was a holiday and we were like, oh, it's the 4th of July. But, you know, Shane Black does Christmas pretty good. Let's do the last Boy Scout. So we did that. (laughs) Oh, man. I think I've only seen the last Boy Scout the one time. It was maybe seven, eight years ago. Are we going to have to start a new podcast? (laughs) Movies Chris has not yet seen? (laughs) I've seen it. I've just only seen it once. And the the, the thing that sticks (laughs) out about that movie for me is the very end at when Bruce Willis is like teaching is it Damon Wayans? Yeah. Yep. Uh like how to th- how to throw out a one liner. Surf some help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think Shane Black used one of those one liners or or a similar one in Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. In uh, in Lethal Weapon 2 he says wipe out. <laughs> uh, I I think the thing that sticks out most for me is the almost the exact same thing in that movie, but it's at the beginning where they are they're, they're like trading dirty jokes back at each other, like I should say, mm-hmm. dirty insults towards each other. And I've watched the movie like maybe twice in my life, and I'm not kidding when I say it was when did it release? Like eighty nine or ninety, or maybe it was ninety one, early ninety one. Okay, so I remember watching it shortly after it came out, and then I. Maybe one time after that, but I can remember that dirty joke that's uh, right at the beginning easily. <laughs> I don't think it's the one thing I remember. I want to watch it again. It's actually on my queue to watch. I just haven't had a chance to get back. So does it still hold up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I'll just it. it's a big, vulgar, sleazy, cynical 90s, slick-ass Tony <laughs> yeah. Scott. Like, you know, it delivers. It's violent and bloody. And like you said, lots of... Uh, Lots of uh, vulgar one-liners. Vulgarity. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that Shane black gutter poetry. Love it. I always, I mean, I, that was one that I saw in high school and it, you know, I went back to see that multiple times in the theaters because it was perfect for a, you know, a 16 year old kid <laughs> whose yeah. parents would let him go to see movies like that. <laughs> Thanks mom and Jeff. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, that one, the one liner I remember, which is so simple and so profanely in your face, they're they're trading barbs back and forth, and Damon Wayans just simply says "fuck you," and Bruce goes "snappy comeback." <laughs> I, always, I, I always like that one. I always like that. Yeah, it's fun, good stuff. All right, one more I wanted to throw out, and then we can talk a little about Stranger Things, I guess, because we, I guess we've all seen that. But uh, I rewatched Spider Man Three because I've been going through the Raimi flicks and. You know, about an hour and a half into it, I'm like, you know, this isn't as bad as I remember. You know, I mean, I never thought it was awful. It, it gets a really bad rap. And then towards the end, I was just like, man, there's just so much shoved into the last like 40 minutes of this movie. It's just I, I could see why it gets a bad rap uh, once I got towards towards the end. But still thought it was uh, not as bad as I remembered and, and a lot of fun stuff in, in that movie. But super bloated and, and too much yeah. stuff going on in that one. A lot uh, of stuff back then. Yeah. yeah. So last thing I got is Stranger Things for part two. Uh, the last couple episodes. Satisfying conclusion for you guys. Uh, what did you think, Jesse? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> was this an emotional roller coaster? I mean, my goodness. We finally get we get some more time in the upside down. We get to see how all of our characters, well, you know, either find their way back home or defeat the bad guy. Man, I I said this. You know, when we were watching it, I was like, you know what the Duffer brothers do to you. You are going to love a character and that character is going to die. Mm. That's just the way it is. Get used to it. Who's it going to be? Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and find out in those last two episodes. And sure enough, do we ever. As far as a satisfying conclusion. Yeah, I mean, I had a I had a great time with this season. I think this may be my favorite season of Stranger Things. There is, I, I wanted more time in the Upside Down and they gave us that. Uh, you know, they actually go into the Upside Down on purpose, uh, going to look for, try and find Vecna and, and get this done. Eddie's scene, I, I believe I spoke on another podcast where we were talking about how Master of Puppets has made its way back into him. First, first it was <laughs> running up that hill. Running up that hill has made its way back into charting yeah. on American chart. Number 30 one. Some, yeah, 30 some years after it had released. Well, all of a sudden, Eddie's playing Master of Puppets on top of a, on top of a trailer in the Upside Down. And Master of Puppets starts, you know, starts to become popular again. Back in the this isn't unprecedented because back in the 90s, there was a thing called Wayne's World <laughs> and <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody happened, uh, but happened much earlier than Wayne's World happened. But I can remember how popular that song became because of it ending up in a very popular movie well that's happening here with stranger things uh we're watching this resurgence of this these 80s tunes hit but yeah man i mean i i enjoyed what we got we got some newer characters here we got uh oh my goodness argyle is that his name the pizza guy yeah. and eddie was you know a breath of fresh air uh and, and it's good to see a metal head on there but and we're, we're <laughs> dealing stuff yeah we're dealing with stuff in the uh, during the satanic panic that little element that happens god Man, i wanted I, to kill that kid <laughs> you're talking about player? the yes mm, yeah oh yeah. my god he made me viscerally i wanted to fight somebody 
because <laughs> right, no, I just hate people like that. And they did such a good job of making him so hateable. Like it really gave me a reaction. I, I wanted to fight him. Right. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm excited for season five because we, the upside down obviously is going to be impacting our universe in some way. Big time. Now we've got this huge crevice that's occurred at the end of this move at the end of this, uh, these five episodes, but mm. yeah, man, I mean, I should say end of season four. Fantastic, fantastic season. I, I did have a great time. I would have to agree. I think, I don't know where I place it in, uh, in my favorite seasons. Um, I know a lot of people there, they are saying this is their favorite season, not just you, Jesse. I mean, you're, you're in good company there. The first two seasons seemed very, I would put them almost at the same for me. I loved the first season so much. And I thought the second season was just a great continuation of the story and the characters. The third season, I, I always felt like that was their, their big summer blockbuster version of the show for mm-hmm. the third season. And that was a fun version of it, a fun take on it. This one is the the horror-centric one, the most horror-like yeah. season so far. And being a, a huge horror fan, I, I loved it. And I, I do love the conclusion. I felt it was real satisfying. I like where they ended it to where we know that like you said, the the upside down is bleeding over. It's gonna kind of be apocalyptic, you know. Eddie, obviously, yes, metal life, great character. Joseph I, Quinn did such a good job playing him, and uh, like from the first episode, I loved him because he has that whatever it was uh, the 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 D and D thing. Oh, where he had the campaign and they beat it. Mm-hmm. And he and he gets up and you think he's going to be mad and the <laughs> character could have gone a couple different ways there. Like, is he likable, but kind of an asshole, which is kind of how they had been setting him up. Like, you weren't sure about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he was proud and he was happy that they beat it. And you you like the guy like immediately right there. You're like, OK, he's cool. He's cool with it. And, you know, they're they're just so good with the characters and the the casting they've done over the years has been impeccable. Yeah, I thought this was a great season. I I am so excited for the fifth season. I'm kind of sad it's going to end, but I, I think it's good that they're going to be able to end it on their own terms. They know this is the the the, the conclusion coming up that they've been building to, and I, I I'm sure they're going to deliver because they have been for four seasons now. So I can't wait. The character of Eddie had such an influence on my 13 year old, my 12 year old. I mean, it, obviously, it's emotional for anybody who watch what happens with Eddie here in this mm. in this season. And he was devastated. I mean, there's been a few times where I've watched my son cry at a at a show and he it wasn't just the death. It was Dustin having to talk to his father afterwards and explain to him how much of a hero that his son was while everybody else was vilifying. him. But that aside, Shortly after that, my son all of a sudden wants to play guitar. Yeah. And <laughs> he's trying to get me to download a $150 app a year uh, per <laughs> year so he can learn how to play guitar because Metallica's told him to do so. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> uh, anyway, go ahead, Chris. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, uh, as far as ending it on their own terms as far uh, for the fifth season or whatever, I I always lean towards get out when the getting's good (laughs) rather than overstand your welcome on, on shows. Like it's more true. I think with sitcoms, like stuff like the office that I think probably should have ended after five seasons, but went on for like four more. And there are a lot of other examples of, of, of both sitcoms and other dramas and and other type of shows. So, you know, when Ash versus evil dead got canceled after three seasons, I wasn't that upset because I liked all three seasons that we got. And I was like, I'm glad we got this. And it's better to end it now than have it go on for eight more years and 
five or six of those years be really bad versions of a show that I loved that I would continue to watch because I, how could I not? So yeah, th- them ending it at five seasons is probably going to turn out to be, I think for the best. And it does suck to see something you love go away or whatever. So I totally get that. And I'm, I'm right there with you, but I would kind of rather it end on a high note than, than drag on too long. Um, and as far as Eddie, you know, he, when he first showed up, I was like, I'm not going to like this character. I just really, I just really didn't think, uh, I thought he was kind of a cliche and I thought he was kind of, uh, like you said, like a, he was playing him kind of like an asshole at the beginning, but yeah, within a few episodes, uh, you know, you're right there with him. <laughs> so ended up liking him a lot. And a, a friend of mine had a, had a criticism of, of this season specifically with Eddie, you know, he was like, you know, you know, he was, uh, gonna die as soon as he showed up because like what do they do every season they introduce right. some new character and then they kill him off and i'm like yeah, well that is kind of true but also max has been around since season two. Oh yeah and you know, how how close was that like you didn't know that's true yeah but you like i'm just saying like his point dead. was like they kill off all the new people but that isn't the case because max has stuck around maya hawk's character has now stuck around for a couple of seasons so it is true that they bring in new people and kill them off, but but um, it's not a it's it's not a for sure thing. So uh, yeah, I, I love season four. I, I don't know. I don't really have a, a ranking. I think season two is probably still my favorite, but season four is really good. It's much darker, and that's fine by me. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. That's I think that's pretty much all I got. Do you guys have anything else you want to shout out or bring up before we close out for the for the month? Uh, no, not really. Uh. I, I think we covered a lot of stuff pretty good. Yeah, I'm good, man. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Small Screeners. AJ, can you let people know where they can find you? Mainly, it's on Twitter, at Haunted Gels. Talk a lot of bullshit about movies and music and occasionally rant about the state of our world being on fire. But I try to keep it, I try to keep it positive and cool. Hope awesome. to see you there. Let's chat some movies and music. All right, what about you, Jesse? Where can people find you on the oh, internet? Wow, yeah, I've got plenty of those. Listen, you can find me at Stiznarky on Twitter. Also do a podcast called the Source Material Comics Podcast, and we have our own feed. So if you can find any podcatcher and type in Source Material and probably the word comic, you should be able to find us. We are pretty much a book club for comics. We just sit down, we talk about a sto- comic storyline, and uh, we just have a general chat about what happened in it and all the good stuff and sometimes the bad stuff that came from it. Uh, Also on that podcast feed, you can find unspoken issues. uh, Like Chris had mentioned earlier, he and I team up quite a bit on the unspoken issues podcast. 90 centric comics discussion is what you're going to find there. Also on the Rattlich in broadcasting network, which is part of the W2M network, which houses uh, both his show and the uh, source material comics podcast feed. That's where you can find, find me talking uh the wire corner we're, we're doing all sorts of stuff there i've got other shows I, ha- I do with mark uh the metal hammer of doom it's not as frequent as we used to do that usually it was every wednesday but uh here lately we we've kind of slacked off but listen if you like the band lordy if you like five finger death punch if you like baby metal we've talked about all three of those bands and plenty plenty more uh, on the metal hammer of doom and I think that is about it. I mean, I plug a show here. I mean, one of the most recent uh, unspoken issues that just got recorded was Portals of Power. That's right. Dark Hawk and Sleepwalker <laughs> cross paths. And I couldn't get Chris Armstrong to be quiet about it. It was amazing. <laughs> 
uh, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, you could check that out. And also, I just dropped a discussion on the Source Material Comics podcast about TMNT, The Last Ronin. So if you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this is like the final Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story. And it was really good. Uh, so that's it. That's where you can find me. That's all the stuff I've been doing. Thank you guys very much for having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, man. Thanks for coming on. It was great to have you. And who doesn't love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Come on. (laughs) That's right, damn it. Uh, As for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BrodyMan34. You can follow our show's Twitter and Instagram pages at Small Screeners. It'd be cool if you left us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice or just tell somebody about us. That'd be cool as well. So for AJ and Jesse, we'll see you guys in a month. Peace. Next month. Batman Under the Red Hood. Night after night, I watch over this city. But now someone stands in the shadows who knows my every move before I make it. Stalking me. It ends tonight. Who do you work for?